0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the book and life podcast where we talk to authors and everybody from all industries to find out what their lives are like after they turn their computers off. Because let's face it, 90% of us write and do stuff on our computers now. So before we get into a great discussion with the legendary Marcy Taylor and somebody who had a huge influence on my writing, I'm going to stop and give you a quick weekly advert for Marianne Curley's The Time Guardian Book 4. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Lathina's death, Giselle swears revenge and fullified the Immortals' plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love. And that leaves her with an unbearable choice, should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess. Short on the praise, but high on the expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave. As the guard and the order battle through the past and into the impossible future, Darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? Now, let's get on to um, Everyone Knows Me. I am the author of the Marieswell series. I'm a Shetlander, and it's great because I've got a fellow Shetlander on with me today. Um, you know, got to represent the old Shetland Islands. And uh, we're going to be talking about her amazing books that are all set on sailing boats. Yes, you heard me right. Sailing boats. And they are crime. And I say they're one of the best crime novels that's come out in Scotland in the last 10 years. Okay? Um, but then I might be biased. So you never know. <laughs> so please welcome to the show Marzi Taylor.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: Well, we have to represent Shetland. I mean, it is where we're from. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get started with, um, of course, everyone knows that we play a book game. We talk about an author's life um, and actually what it's like to be an author. But we're also going to talk about some books. So to begin with, do you want to introduce the readers to your latest crime novel and tell us a little bit about it?
1: Okay. The most recent book in the cast series is called A Shetland Winter Mystery, and it's set around Christmas. And those are the dark nights when traditionally the trows, who are Shetland little people, were given license to come out and roam around the houses. And there was all sorts of traditional things that were done to stop them doing any harm. Like you could uh, take a peat, a hair from each of your animals, your pony and your cow and your dog and your cat, weave them together into the shape of a cross and pin them above the bar to keep the trows out. And you'd go round the house with a lighted peat again to keep them out. So this book starts with the shortest day and Cass wakes up hearing noises in the night and she finds that some unexplained small something has left... Trails of footprints, four small somethings, all around her house and disappeared back into a snowy mound just up from the house.
0: Oh, now that does sound interesting. And it kind of
1: spiraled from there. I had such fun writing it because my, my grandchildren are away in London, which is an absolutely hopeless place for your daughter to t- go to and take her grandchildren with yes, her. Yes, I, w- I would agree. With that, yes. Poor kids being London kids. I'm very sorry for them. But yep. at least they get up and here and have fun sometimes. But of course in lockdown I couldn't go down to see them. So this book stars teenagers and slightly younger people and of course the indomitable Piri Charlie who has to get into everything. So I had an awful lot of fun writing about young people.
0: And it, it is fun because I mean I've, I've done young adult mm. novels and I think they are the most fun because here's people that don't really have life experience and you don't have to worry about giving them life experience. So they're far more easier mm-hmm. to have fun with. And uh, I must admit, growing up in Shetland, I had so much fun because I could mm-hmm. go anywhere and do anything. And my parents, you know, they let me have a lot of free reign, especially growing up in Lerwick, mm-hmm. I could wander around. I could go to youth clubs. I could go sailing. I could go do lots of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly, I grew up fishing with my grandfather. So I was around yes. boats my entire yeah. life. I was I was lucky on that. I, I kinda dread my own children growing up because they're gonna be city slickers as as we would say. Like they're gonna have an entirely different outlook and then I'm gonna take them to Shetland and they're gonna be like, Hey mom, are you living in the dystopian years? Like you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a bit of a culture shock. But luckily their grandparents are moving down, so we'll be mm-hmm. keeping the Shetland uh Shetland traditions alive at least for that. But I love a good oh, show yeah. and story, so I will definitely
1: be buying this new one. Well, uh, my grandchildren came up in the October holidays the last time they were up. This was three years ago. Yeah. And we live we live in the centre of Ace, and there's a leisure centre and a shop. Uh, but the, the leisure centre had all sorts of stuff laid on for the local youngsters. And so the first morning I took them down, and Darren, who works there, gave them the full tour of the leisure centre and their eyes got rounder and rounder this is nothing like the ballon one they've got a climbing wall here and they just disappeared down and then they met the other kids and suddenly we didn't see them they'd sort of sweep into the house in a gang of 10 to 12 year olds they'd raise the biscuit (laughs) tin they'd play sardines under philip's piano and they'd sweep out again and and half the time we didn't know where they were yeah, but exactly, yeah. It's like that in the country. They were in somebody else's house eating somebody else's biscuits and, and terrifying somebody else's cats. And <laughs> on the last day, we said to them, what do you want to do? And they said, free roam, free roam. And they loved it because in London, they can't go anywhere no. without a personal escort. Yeah. And and Marnie said to her daughter, but you get to play with your friends at home. And she said, yeah, but that's got to be arranged. It has to be a play date and we have to know when. And yeah. and they just love this idea of just roaming. I must admit so, I do
0: too. Like I, I know that in London mm-hmm. and particularly the gang culture is so bad. It's just so bad. Mm-hmm. Kids get drawn into things so easily. And we are lucky with yeah. the youth clubs in Shetland because that's that's their place to go. And when I came back mm-hmm. up just uh in twenty twenty there, I worked in the youth clubs and it was great because mm-hmm. I really got sort of hoot winged into coming back to the youth clubs when they heard that I was moving home they were like oh Crystal's coming home she's a perfect youth club leader I was like oh don't!" Yes. It. <laughs> but it's great because you know as a writer if you're around your, you know your subject matter which at that time I was writing a young adult novel it's great you've got plenty of inspiration but yeah I feel yes. for the kids nowadays like I've seen it in Glasgow you know they there's so much more crime with teenagers now than ever mm. before and they don't have places to go like they're hanging out in front of shops and they're yes. having coffee and trying to do adult things but they're bored because they, they don't know what to do with themselves and I, I've seen mm. the underage pregnancy stuff rising here and it's scary I mean mm-hmm. here we've had two kids with knife attacks in the last three years and mm. I mean that's in Glasgow so you know that that's fairly common mm. here but yeah, I, I get why they would love, you know, the islands, the freedom and, and everything else. And trust mm-hmm. me, if I, when I get to the teenage stage, I probably will be taking them to Shetland because there's no way that I will handle yeah. teenagers running around down here. <laughs> I think my Shetland
1: we'll paranoia will kick we'll in. Like we'll
0: yeah. Um, so, but luckily, as I said, granny and granddad's coming down. So, uh, And this year, my dad's mm-hmm. actually in Apalea in Larwick, so... Um, oh, I'm hoping yeah. to come back for that. Well, they have that.
1: to come up for that.
0: I, I will, They yeah. have to be in the
1: Jarl Squad.
0: It's his first time in mm-hmm. the Jarl Squad. And people don't realize mm-hmm. how much a big deal that is, but they wait, like, decades oh, yeah, decades. It's huge. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But look, and it is a bit sad because my, my uncle actually died last year, and it's uh, my uncle's mm-hmm. spot that my dad's taking to represent my uncle. Um, mm-hmm. And my uncle, bless him, he was actually making the suits in lockdown. Mm. and he was making uh, he made junior yarl squad stuff and he was doing the galleys and stuff Um, Mm -hmm. it was just a sad case of of dementia and you know that's something that's very rampant in Jetland at the moment is is the dementia and and the damage it's doing is crazy it's just never expected that
1: I I don't know whether it's more prevalent or whether it's just here you know everybody and so know you know about it, there's there's nobody ever able to hide in their flat and not go out except to the corner shop once a week Or, yeah. you know if it, it some the like it, the old people here if you don't see them out at the time you expect it, then then you raise the alarm bell
0: yeah and i mean we always check in on each other up there which yes. i love yeah. you know because mm-hmm. my my gran was in a what they call assisted living for long enough.
2: Mm.
0: And she said she had oh. more visitors and assistant living than she did when she lived with her husband. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I was like did. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, okay. Mm. It, she didn't like the wheels on uh the meals on wheels. She reckoned that they were not very good cooks. But um, you know, <laughs> my grandmother was picky. I can't really yeah, I can't really blame her for that. But that's the thing mm-hmm. I love about the islands is we have this community base where we all support yeah. each other, you know. And I think that became really important during lockdown. I mean, I don't know how many people messaged me every other day and said, you know, you're high risk. How are you doing? And the fact they knew that I was high risk was was incredible. (laughs) I've been down here on the mainland for a year and I had to leave my job. I got sepsis. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I got a single message from my colleagues the entire time I was Mm -hmm. in hospital. I was in hospital for four weeks straight. And none of the people I worked with messaged me, so it was it was a bit of a culture shock coming back down and being like, "Oh, people don't really care down here. <laughs> I don't I don't really like this." <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm missing the islands, but sadly the medical situation means I I can't be there, but I can visit and I do visit, so.
1: And you can read my books. I, oh, which I do I read your books. When I feel really lonely,
0: I, I read your books. And the worst thing is my birthday is usually an up Pelia. So I, uh-huh. uh, I make it an up kind of night where I sit with my Shetland books, Shetland music playing. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, I get some mulled wine made and I just, I, I indulge in, in, in my history. And my, my partner, my husband now, looks at me like I'm nuts. So uh, mm-hmm. God only knows what he's going to be like When we're up there And we're walking and we're watching The Arl Squad march and stuff I think, I think he'll think with we'll oh, He'll lost get our caught up the
1: excitement It's so spectacular yeah, You, you he can't was... help but get excited I, I think he's going to
0: tell them Make that sure their are has got
1: warm clothing on
0: yeah. My, my partner's a, a sword and knife enthusiast And I honestly think he's going to be Telling them Oh you should have sharpened it here and It would have worked better if you did this You know <laughs> I think I think they'll get critiqued, um, and I think my dad's actually uh, more worried about that than he is actually about marching. <laughs> so yeah, but Liddell, uh, let's get into books. Um, which you know, if you're a writer, you have to you have to read every day. Um, it's part of yes. our discipline. It's part of our routine. So I'm going to start off with a hard question: What is the book that you've recently read that stuck with you the most? The one that you just no matter what you do during the day, you can't just you can't shake it. You're always thinking about.
1: It. Well, there were several of it. I was thinking um our readers group book which was yesterday yeah. was Clara and the Sun by Ishiguro, which was an absolutely Ooh. wonderful read about a loving kind robot who is an artificial friend to a young girl. Super book um very sad and we had a wonderful discussion about about how far artificial intelligence can go uh, scary, i've recently it? been discovering the author rumor godden
2: oh right. who
1: was I, I read her as a child things like the mouse and his child and miss flower and miss happiness yeah and i've been discovering her adult books and i particularly loved one called in the house of breed set in a convent oh, about wow. somebody who almost retiring age who retired to a convent absolutely fascinating
0: yeah i mean Um, that that went on in london didn't it kind of near the end of sort of the world wars mm -hmm. and stuff like that the older people that weren't married were going into the convents and some of them were becoming midwives and were placed all over
1: the place Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's incredible i I don't i don't think it was post it was just a decision that this woman had made and it kind of followed her through it yeah. But the the other two, too, that I feel non-fiction ones that really influenced me have been Caroline Perez's Invisible Women, which is oh, like an absolutely fascinating read. Have you read it?
0: I've, I've read bits yeah. of it online, but I haven't actually had a chance to pick it up, but I, I do want yeah. to, you know. I also yes, like how the fact that, do. yeah, our our whole world's changing in regards to women, and I was talking oh, I about this last that. week. You know, it's crazy. Mm. Um one of the things that I studied when I left the Shetlands was I did wrestling. Uh, I trained to be a wrestling writer, so writing mm-hmm. wrestling shows, and that is mm-hmm. a very male-dominated world, like incredibly oh, yes. male-dominated world. And mm-hmm. I got told right from the bat, "Hey, you're a woman. You can't write wrestling." And I went, "You we obviously haven't met a Shetland woman, because if you say you can't, they can't do something. We're gonna go do it, you know, because." Yep. That, that's how we're bred, that's how we're born and uh, I did and wrestling,
1: I wrote, sheep is, yeah. is a, wrestling sheep is an important job of a Shetland woman
0: exactly, if you're in the country. you know, like, we understand it I mean, we probably yes. wrestle better than Always. they do, you know But um, so yeah, I went on and I did it, and I still mm-hmm. get flack to this day for being a woman mm-hmm. who wrote a couple of wrestling shows but oh. it trained me because being an author you can't have a thin skin there's always mm-hmm. critics out there that will tear your book apart and I I must admit it was the best possible training I could have had but I'm I'm somebody that believes in hey us women we can break any glass ceiling we want um, and I, I kind of promote that and I, I did actually last week with Joe I was very kind of like hey why is wrestling kind of locking us women out here um, and this is a great platform for being able to to kind of raise those things that, you know, a lot of other mm. podcasters not don't want to do it because they're scared. You know, they're scared of not getting guests or scared of, you know, the backlash and stuff. And I'm not because at the end of the day, if you're not talking about this, how is anything going to change? So I, I love books well, yeah. that are are about that and about pushing forward for all of us.
1: Well, I do recommend this one. I I I didn't. You know, I've always felt that the world doesn't quite fit me. And suddenly I realised why. It literally doesn't fit because it's not designed for me. No, uh, exactly. Things like, you know, we're 50% more likely to be injured in a car accident because cars are designed for males of sort of certain, a certain average male yeah. height, average male weight. And we pesky women will insist on pulling the seat forward because otherwise our feet can't reach the pedals. Exactly. And yes. so we're in the wrong place for airbags and safety safety and so on. So that was yeah. fascinating. Um, and the other one was Sherry Turkle's Alone Together. She's Ooh. an American academic who studies robotics um, technology influence of technology on human interaction and it's an absolutely fascinating book which taught me all sorts of chilling things yeah. like these days um, apparently old people in in some care homes are being given a kind of animatronics seal to keep them happy or, a, or a, an weird. animatronics baby Rather than what real people going and talking to them, they 're being given these, these mechanical objects that they can pretend are real, that which is, is an scary awful excitement our society
0: no, I mean that 's scary to think I mean, I know we 're not mm. doing it in jail, but that's scary because I think we're saying anything to anyone i mean it's like if you look at the rate of people who have their nursery cams hacked, you know mm. One of those things could get hacked, and then you you don't know what that person's being told. And especially somebody as vulnerable as that, you never you know. I mean that that's beyond crazy. Mm-hmm. But I know that like technology's overtaking all of our lives, especially with COVID, because this is the only way we could communicate with people was through remote access. Mm-hmm. I mean, half of the interviews that's been done by podcasters and radio shows and everything else has been done be a remote heck I I think I did more job interviews on remote than I did in person Um, and then when I had to do one in person I was like oh this is weird I I don't know how to do this anymore Um, and it's like going back to the
1: the that that we've got out of the way of doing it and this is why I'm so keen to get back to normal as soon as possible you know have our readers group meeting in person again because otherwise I think we're going to start preferring not doing it because it is easier in some way. I mean, I I loved writing in cafes. But it's also, I I don't know, I I think it it worries me that people are getting more and more used to speaking to each other through screens and not going out and talking to people. So I'm I'm trying hard to make more of an effort to go and talk to people now we're allowed to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I must admit I've, I was one of the high risk patients, so mm-hmm. I spent more time working with kids on computers, and I thought, oh my god, mm-hmm. the screen time they're getting, because, I mean, they're doing uh-huh. school, and then at night, their parents are letting them play games with us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's mm-hmm. insane. And I said to Ian, I'm like, even now, I'm on restrictions. Like, they keep an eye mm-hmm. on me all the time. If you get sepsis once, they, they, they treat you like you're going to get sick every day kind of thing. And it's pretty insane. And I mean, in hospital, it was like everybody wanted to do FaceTiming. And luckily, I couldn't talk, so I got out of it. (laughs) I got out of it so much, I was like, woo! But yeah, I mean, it's so scary to me that every author now is saying they they don't do face-to-face with their publishers. They don't do face-to-face with their agents. You know, half of them... I've never even met their agents or their publishers in person. That, to me, is just so scary. I mean, if well, I'm I, doing I'm a book not, tour,
1: I want to be in person. I've not met my new publisher yet. I've spoken to him loads on the phone. But that's three books, three years' worth of books. Yeah, and I've exactly. just not been able to to get down to London. And he's he's sort of out of London a bit. And he's only in the office certain days. And that never seems to work with the days that I was going to be in. Um, But I'm hoping to meet him sometime soon. And my agent, I haven't managed to have lunch with her for, again, three years. because Two years, because that's how long it's been. But hopefully that will come again.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for for me, I don't get that opportunity. Because all my publishers are American. So, you know, if Mm -hmm. I do get to see them, I mean, luckily one of the publishers I'm in talks with now, she's coming over in June for the Irish retreat. Mm -hmm. And I'm like stop in Glasgow and I'll buy you lunch you know and, and that way we get yeah. to meet but it, it's uh, it, I mean it's crazy for me I mean I game I, I do the podcasts now um, and I write so I feel like I'm never ta- detached from this computer and if I do yes. I'm cross stitching or I'm and by the way that is like the weirdest response I get when I'm in a hospital is people walk mm-hmm. up to me and say what are you doing what is that that you're doing they don't realize that i'm embroidering so i have to explain ah. it I, th- I've, I've, yeah. I must have explained it like 30 times in the last year to people it's crazy mm-hmm. and i mean i and when i say i'm from Shetland and knitting and sewing and everything else is just part of our everyday lives they think we're crazy you know because they're like well why don't you just go to the shop and buy it because it kind of means oh, more if you no. make it yourself oh. yeah exactly mm. um my Luckily, my mother-in-law just bought me a sewing machine, which I am mm-hmm. so grateful for because, I mean, you know what it's like to hand-stitch anything. it's It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the fact that she was like, here, here's a mini sewing machine. and I was like, oh, great. I can finally finish these quilts that are sitting here, you know, in a pile. <laughs> but that's just, that's well, just that's, Shetland. Making,
1: I make, I um, make, I make costumes. Yeah, I've, I'm a key member of our amateur drama group, so I 18th century I like particularly. So I have several full 18th century outfits with hoops and stays to go underneath, and I have a wonderful old 1906 treadle which I bought while I was a student at university, yeah. and it's still going strong. In fact, recently I discovered somebody who who serviced the old sewing machine, so he came out and oh, spent awesome. a morning with it. And it was wonderful. It's now sewing beautifully.
0: Oh, that's it amazing. It actually
1: said that somebody at some point had taken it apart and put it back together wrongly, and it was still sewing. Wow. Um, but now, now it's really doing well, so I'm going to make myself a really pretty dress for my niece's wedding in September.
0: See, that's the thing about us. We're, I always say that Shetlanders are crafty, but we have mm-hmm. like the longest winters. And I don't think people mm-hmm. realise just how long our winters are. I mean, it's getting light here in Stirling now, but I know back home it's still really dark early, you know. And it's... No,
1: it's, we've, we've crossed the equinox, oh, so now it was yeah. light this morning. I can say definitively it was light this morning at quarter to five because I happened to be awake. <laughs> and it's not getting dark until about eight o'clock, so we're That's now good. getting longer light than yeah. down south.
0: I mean, yeah, and
1: it's good to but see actually, that it's I find started. the dark days hopeless for sewing because my eyes are ageing and the light's not good enough.
2: Yeah, I but mean, dark,
1: i But dark days are my writing time. I I aim to start a book in September and I'm just doing the finishing touch so I'm determined to get it to my agent for Easter.
0: Exactly. And then,
1: yeah, so that's, that's a good writing time. You know, you stay and it's cold and nasty outside. Yeah, exactly. But having said that, you know we get lovely winter days, and I get my morning walk around the village most days, and if it's nice, you know, I can take the boat for a run because that's good for our engine exactly, and they, that's, they that's the thing,
0: the yeah, and that's the thing that people mm. don 't realize is when you're in an island's community, boats are like your lifeline I mean I, for, yes. I stayed in Yale for a number of years as a child, and uh, I used to ride horses. you know down at the local hall for like the market on a Saturday morning that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. anymore but I used (laughs) to do it like my gran had this stubborn old Shetland pony that was god awful Mm -hmm. and she would say right ride down to market and get me stuff and I was like oh no because this thing would just oh he would just stop for no reason at all and he was like a mule Mm -hmm. he just would not budge I could (laughs) have sat off a an explosion behind him and he wouldn't have moved Um, (laughs) like that's the thing like I was on boats probably before I could walk because my my grandfather Mm -hmm. unfortunately had a reputation for smuggling
2: but uh, which I (laughs) didn't find out until he
0: passed on by the way so you know it was interesting and he he fished all the time fresh mackerel was always in our house you know he always had trout Mm -hmm. that man could find trout like I, I don't know how he did that but Back at Brasse and he had fish, you know, and we mm-hmm. were really lucky in that regard. And, and the other thing is, like, down here, if you were to buy a whole cow, people would think you're nuts. But I think people mm-hmm. in Chatland do that more than anybody. We all have, like, I call them half-coffin, because that's the size mm-hmm. they are. But deep freezes, you come down here, and, mm-hmm. and there's no space for a deep freeze anywhere. I mean, especially in the flat that I live in, it's, it's so tiny. And mm-hmm. I always say to my husband, you know, we've got to make the, the shopping last for the entire month. And he looks at me like, but the shop's right down the road. It's, it's crazy. Like, I still haven't mm-hmm. let go of the Shetland Ways. I don't think I ever will. I'll be one of those moms. I'll be teaching them. Hey, keep your deep freezer <laughs> probably, you know, full because you never know when you're yes. going to need it. Um, yes. You know, we freeze everything.
1: And also, the meat is so wonderful if you can buy local meat. Like we, we bought a quarter cow and it's the best beef I've ever tasted. It was yeah, exactly. a grass-fed fed animal that had lived outside. A, and, and the same with the lambs. They come straight from the hills. So we get three of those every year and that's that's Sunday roasts for the rest of the year.
0: Exactly. And I mean, it's, it's crazy because when you look at the food that you get out of the supermarket sometimes, it's not the best. I mean, we've we've had orders in from Asda because we had to order in from Asda because I wasn't allowed in the shops. And I mean, I was having stuff that was going off the next day. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, this is, this is crazy. Like, why why is this the case? And I used to just get it and put it straight in the deep freeze so I could keep it. And huh? I miss it. I miss having, you know, being able to phone um, Auntie Annette Shewan and say, hey, uh, you got any sheep going? Or is there any cows going? and it's not mm. it's not for any other reason that we need that kind of meat and that fuel to keep us warm in the winter cuz it's cold in Shetland during the winter i mean i don't mm. i've never had a warm winter in Shetland in my life and i i was there in do you remember 1995 the snow mhm that
1: was,
0: was that so was insane. Pretty. yeah
1: it was it already was so like the, the snow queen it was so white and sparkling and it, it sort of got blown into shapes. So I remember it was, it was high enough that I could step over the school gate instead of having to open it. Yeah. And in the corner by the swimming pool, where there was obviously a wee sort of whirlwind effect, there was this beautiful snow wave, proper wave, sort of curled over at the top. It was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I, like, I had fun I... with that in the new book because we had, we had a really snowy winter two years ago as well yeah. when I was writing it. And uh, so it's it's very snowy. Lots yeah. of snow. And
0: that that's that's the thing, like, because we're so far north. You know, we get mm. the worst of the weather. I mean, this year's probably been, what, the windiest winter for Shetland?
1: Well... No, nah, I don't know about that either. And I'm not actually sure about the worst of the winters because I used to go down to my mum's in Edinburgh and absolutely freeze down there. There was this Thank nasty, you. biting east wind that you got the whole time. It's warmer in Glasgow, maybe. Yeah, and, it is,
2: yeah.
1: And she would look at the at the weather forecast for us and say, you're warmer. <laughs> we'd be a lot cooler in summer, but yeah. we'd be a couple of degrees warmer in winter. But then you've got wind chill.
0: Yeah. But People it, forget it just, that part, no. yeah.
1: No, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to live in the city again.
0: No, I mean I was I was laughing with my dad the other day because he was getting weather warnings for Quarf because he stays in mm-hmm. And he was getting the wind was so bad inside his house his his windows were moving inwards and they were coming mm-hmm. in about an inch and he honestly thought they were gonna break. And mm-hmm. here I am, I'm I'm in Sterling and Sterling is terrible for wind it really is terrible for wind i thought shetland Mm -hmm. was bad till i moved here and then i'm like oh okay because the sterling road there's no protection on it so if you're got like 40 to 50 mile an hour winds coming through there Mm -hmm. good luck in the car i mean i don't know how the buses do it and my hubby's a bus Mm -hmm. driver and i i worried every single day that he was driving that bus thinking please lord Mm -hmm. don't let him get blown over today like I mean it it was so crazy. And I, I thought, you know, when I'm seeing the winds up in Shetland and they're they're a lot higher than what we had. Mm-hmm. I was like, I hope my dad's keeping everything tied down 'cause
1: he is. He naturally yeah. is. This is another thing that really surprises me when I go south. You see, like, scaffolding with a wheelbarrow left on it. Yeah. Whereas in like, Shetland, that definitely wouldn't be left there. No, because you we know it gets blown off, everything. you know? Yeah, you just don't leave things lying around in the same way.
0: I laugh because um, my neighbours last year, they got this Pawnee Tunnel, above-ground Pawnee Tunnel, and mm. they are wind traps. If a wind gets through it and can pick it up, they are wind traps. And they lost it. It came flying through our driveway, hit our car and two others. And this poor Mm -hmm. woman was running after it because they didn't tie it down. Like, we had to tie down their bins because they they had no idea that you're supposed to tie bins down in high winds. And I thought, if we don't tie them down, we're going to have a bin in our front room or something. And, And it's crazy here. They, the other thing that mm-hmm. I've noticed is people are all complaining about stoves, uh you know, wood burning stoves and wood burning fires now. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. And I'm sorry, I grew up with that. I prefer that mm-hmm. to the central heating by far. Yes. You know, and it's cheaper it's too. Warm for
1: longer.
0: You know, I, I do not believe mm-hmm. for a second that Shetland is burning more fuel than they are down here in the power plants. I, I just I'm don't sure think about it's possible. Not. And, you know, there's so many of these houses that are having these, you know, these fireplaces ripped out of them with these specialized Mm -hmm. stoves to keep it warm. I would rather have a house with a a wood burning fire, particularly now that they've lifted. I mean, I don't know if it's hitting you yet, but here they only lift our rubbish once a month. So every Mm -hmm. one of those four recycling bins, we get lifted once a month and it, i'm I'm not joking it's not enough down here for the people in this the city mm-hmm. it's It's awful, and we're lucky we're on the countryside, so it's not you know we're not too overloaded in where we stay, but even we struggle with it i mean I've seen my hobby have to do you know dump runs because mm-hmm. they just don't lift it enough, but if you've got a wood burning stove you can you can use that cardboard as as you know kindling. Mm-hmm then it's great because you can burn it and you can burn your letters and you can it reduces mm-hmm. the waste so much and guess what guys if they're taking it to recycling do you not think that they're you know burning that stuff as fuel so that they can do the other stuff because they are just you know it would be cheaper and faster if we're heating our homes with it than, you know Mm-hmm. That's that. That's the, that's it's a terrible Turbic thing. They though,
1: I do actually meet homes with it in Larwick. They they have the district heating system, which is actually incinerating rubbish and using that to create heat.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is a brilliant idea. I always feel like Far Shetland's better. ahead of of heating and certain things. Like we're we're really good at inventing stuff, and we're really good at looking at things mm-hmm. and saying, okay, we can we can do this better, and this is how we're going to do it better. And I'm I'm not blowing mm-hmm. Shetland's horn. Okay, I really am, it, but. <laughs> Growing up, there well, I'll like have, you know, yeah, but I have this, um... a lot of respect for it because we do think outside the box, but we have to think outside the box because no offense is a what thirteen hour boat ride to Aberdeen, and the huh? flights you're lucky if you can get a flight out nowadays. You know, it's just <laughs> I think huh? I think if we're not smart, don't live on an island. If you can't handle a little bit of rough weather, don't go to the islands. But <laughs> And Shetland's getting
1: more More importantly, though. if you can't do your own plumbing, deal with your own... Uh, oh, oh, there's all sorts of little things. You know, if you're yeah. your stove suddenly innards fall apart, you can't just call somebody to come and deal with it. You have to get the fire bricks and, and the fire clay and then and you you need to be handy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing. That's
1: like,
0: cool. My hubby went up to Shetland and my mum's terrible. She doesn't do DIY. Um, mm-hmm. She had no idea about DIY. And my hubby, is a, he was a former shop fitter. So he's done houses and you name it. He's fixed it. And he fixed my grand flat, flat up in, in the bar road before we sold it. And he went around and he fixed my mom's house. <laughs> like, there was not a day he was not drilling, you know, mending something. I mean, he, he literally kept the, the water out the window when the window seal broke. And we couldn't get a window seal like he went to the hardware store you could not get one and he came up with an entire plan to fix it till we could get Mm -hmm. somebody in to actually you know with the right materials it was more than materials that was the issue and luckily for my dad he actually has a whole workshop underneath his house it came Mm -hmm. with the house he had no idea it was Mm -hmm. there till my hubby was like you do realize you've got like something to cut wood and you've got insulation here and you've got I mean, he had enough material under his house to rebuild another house. He had no <laughs> idea. So it was, it was good for my dad because he got an education. You know, he's in lockdown with me because for a while they were locking families in with high-risk patients. My dad went nuts. He's, he's not a man to sit around and do nothing. And it was so crazy because my dad got told how to do DIY because Ian just took him and was like, let's do it. You know, Ian can fix motorcycles. That was his other trick. And he fixed my dad's. He actually gave it a full service. And I don't think my dad had mm-hmm. ever done a full service on it. We found a tree growing out of his air filter. <laughs> An actual tree <laughs> was in his air filter growing. And if anyone knows anything about Shetland, trees struggle in Shetland because of the wind. And this little guy had gotten into my dad's air, air filter system, and it, it was doing really well, considering there was no soil or anything in there, and it was, it was going for it. So... Ian had a hard time getting it out, but he got it out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. And and you'll see with Marzi's books, it's just, you know, the way that we think is so different. Your, you know, your writing is so refreshing because it's so difficult to tell what's coming with your writing, whereas I can read other people's novels and be like, oh, I know what's coming. And I don't know if that's oh. because I've got a writer's brain and I can see, like, all the tricks, or, if it's just a case of some people's stuff is kind of predictable because it's already been on television or it's already been done before, and I think with Shetland because we've grown up in that environment of telling stories on the fireplace on a really bad night, and you you used to always get stories when you were a kid getting tucked in at night, you know your your mom and dad didn't always have books to read to you, so they would they would make up stories, so storytelling's kind of in your blood in Shetland um and I think Marzi's probably one of the best examples to come out of Shetland I mean, I've mean, i done a breakthrough genre and, and she's leading the way with crime and I would buy her book over 90% of the crime writers out there and 90% of the writers out there just simply because it's, it's realistic and it's easy to believe and it's easy to fall in love with those characters and even my hubby who's he's terrible because I can't watch a crime show with him because two minutes in, he'll tell me who the murderer is. And I'll be like, really? Come on. And sometimes I'll argue with him and say, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. And then at the end of the show, it is. And I'm like, damn it. I just lost a pound because I stupidly bet against him. But with yours, <laughs> he couldn't tell. He had no oh, good. idea. And it was great because good. he was so caught up in the sailing that he couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and I, I, I must admit, it was a relief it was an absolute relief to be able to give him a book and him not to go oh I already know who's the murderer and him to quit the book <laughs> he did that with um, Ankle's book, he picked it up, knew who the murderer was just off the blurb at the back oh I was like, that's a badly
1: written blurb though I think
0: yeah it was a badly written blurb didn't and I, I looked at my husband and I said no you've got to be wrong they don't tell you who the murderer is in the blurb I read it and I was like oh shoot, uh crap, okay, he was right <laughs> you know, but he loves the series, he loves the Shetland series I'm not a fan of the Shetland series I think it portrays us in a really bad light, and I, I hate how mm-hmm. dark and dull it makes the islands look do you, have you seen it?
1: I've I've seen a couple of them, we don't actually have a, t- a TV that's plugged in, we have ah. one that we use for watching videos, but we don't do yeah. live TV, we watch, we stream films and watch those
2: yeah.
1: uh, but my daughter was in she was in the first one as the bridesmaid in a red dress with too much red lipstick who had had an affair with the groom yes, and then yes, she came back again as the girlfriend of the younger policeman
2: yes Sandy. Sandy. Uh, so
1: she was i think she was in maybe three three of them and we saw those ones and i, I enjoyed it i just, it's it it's difficult to judge when you're living here because of course we are having fun going, hang on, she got off a bus to Tinwell and then five minutes later she'd walk to Shen How did she manage that?
0: And trust me guys, that's um, really impossible. I know our islands are small, yeah. but you can't do that. I, I, I literally <laughs> said to Ian I don't know how many times
1: that doesn't happen
0: <laughs> You yeah. know,
1: and he banned but me from watching folk it with who it. Don't know that. You Fol- know. Folk who've seen seen a woman standing on the edge of the cliffs at Fair Isle and then jumping off cliffs somewhere completely different. You know, know right? other people don't know that. And yeah, the, the, one, the one that was set on Fair Isle, she committed suicide from... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but ended up at Eshenes. Again, because S is the cliffs that everybody films, the black ones. Yeah, because so, they're so pretty. I, I think we, we tend to look at it with a different eye. Um, and yes. mm. well, one of the things I've enjoyed doing in my books is trying to show how beautiful it all is up here, because yeah. the I think the series goes for this gloomy noir look, whereas actually in summer it is gorgeous. The it's absolutely and Shetland, the in it's winter fantastic. it can be absolutely beautiful, but the minute the sun comes out, then the the sky is filled with light, and that's all reflected off the sea, and there is sea everywhere. And, you know, you've got the hills are just all this soft green colour. Exactly. Or the heather ones, darker, darker. But you, And every burn is is bright yellow with, with marsh marigolds down the side. It, it is gobsmackingly gorgeous.
0: And that's the thing. Like, I, I took my husband up, and he had never seen... Like, we were in Quark, mm. and the sun never set for a few days, Right and I think every Shatlander knows what I'm talking about when I say this and he got up to go to the bathroom and I think it was like 3 o'clock in the morning and he came in and he woke me up and he goes Crystal the sun's still up and I'm like no it's just light outside and he's like no 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 and he, he was so taken away by it he took photos and he sent it to his sister forgetting the time obviously that it was being taken but you know and they couldn't believe how pretty it was and they live you know in Glasgow, so they go up to Loch Ness, they go up to Loch Lobe and the mm-hmm. Calendar, and these places are stunning too. But I mm. don't think they have the same beauty as Shetland. And I must admit, I I miss hearing the ocean every day. Mm. And I keep saying to my husband, I mean, that's why we lived our longest period that we've ever lived in one place was actually in Helensburgh because you could hear the water, and you did get the mm-hmm. winds like you do in Shetland, and it felt like home. The people felt like Shetlanders. Um, so I miss, uh-huh. I both miss the island, but I also miss Helensburgh quite a bit for for that reason. Uh-huh. And the great thing was, I was huge, hugely into the community when I was in in Helensburgh. I went to the church. Everyone in the church knew me. I was the girl that made tea. Everyone else uh-huh. would come in and sit
1: That's down. You to church?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like every, you know, I would make tea for the choir, so the choir all knew me. And when I stopped going, they were like, "Wait, where's our tea lady?" <laughs> You know, um, and I was greatly missed. In fact, when I got married, it was my uh, my pastor from Helensburgh that married us. Um, and it was a fu- it was a funny wedding. My wedding was not not what you would expect at all, because you know we've got Glasgow humor and then we've got Shetland humor. Um, so the the jokes were flying all night long, and everyone was having the whale of a time. And I'm not a big dancer anymore because of my uh, arthritis, so I didn't have a dance. I didn't do the dancing, but I had a big puffy dress. I had a husband who tried to help me sit down, and then realized I couldn't sit down in my skirt because it was way (laughs) too big. The hoop literally would have turned me upside down. Um, You know the way it goes. (laughs) And I'd done drama um, in Shetland, and I thought I could I could sit in any dress, I could do anything in any dress. I soon learned that there's a certain um, trick. big dresses that I didn't know so I nearly ended up on my butt a few times but I learned I should have walked around the house in it I really should have learned like done that but my house was so small I wouldn't have got it through the hallway so I kind of learned okay but no like I I must admit I will have a home fair in at some point because Mm -hmm. a lot of my Shetland family were not able to attend and it was sad because i I missed everybody and it was still we still had covid restrictions so a lot of my family couldn't come and also my wedding ended up being unfortunately at prelim time so my niece and my Uh well my cousins couldn't come because they were sitting the prelim exams Uh um that was just bad timing i mean my my wedding got rearranged eight times because of covid um you know luckily i had a venue that was very understanding um you know in in Dumfries and Galloway so I was lucky on that account but yeah I I I must admit it was it was nice to see the Glasgow Shetland connection working and and there Mm -hmm. there was no animosity on any side there was no kind of awkwardness my family had not spent a lot of time with my in-laws because obviously if you're living in Shetland you don't get down very often but it actually worked out pretty well we were we were actually pleasantly surprised um you know my aunt loved it she'd never met any of them before um you know and it was fantastic and that's the thing about jetland we're so welcoming we are so friendly we do get a gluff easily i'll admit that i'm a bit of a scaredy cat at times um but yeah it was great and my husband you know he was scared of going up there because on our first date in jetland we got locked in a cafe because they didn't understand what he was saying and they weren't sure if he was going to rob them I remember the last asking me if he was going to rob them and I was like, no he's only in for a roll in sausage but I had to say Sassan because she didn't know what a sausage was and <laughs> it was so funny because after that he was always wary of Shetland because he wasn't sure like how people were going to accept him or or interact with him but they got they got over their, their concern of his accent and he gets on great with them there. so every time my dad goes to the roll van the first thing he's asked is you know is your son-in-law coming up <laughs> And my dad's like no <laughs> oh it's so, okay so yes with uh our our next question is is there an author past and present who's in- influenced and inspired you and got you excited about books and do they still get you excited
1: well, I've always been excited about books. Even as a child, my mum used to say I devoured books rather than read them. I yeah, loved I reading. Thing, yes. um, <laughs> I love the Narnia books, Anne of Green Gables. Have you come across the author Eleanor Lyon?
2: I've seen her stuff of her online. Series, but I've never checked. The Ian
1: Thorpe series uh, yes. set in the west coast of Shetland. I really loved those because that was where we spent magical childhood summers. As soon as my dad got his school holidays, because they were slightly different from ours, yeah. then we all piled into the dormo- dormobile. Or, um, sometime- Later on, we got the train with mum and dad went ahead to open up the cottage. But we, we spent the entire summer in this little cottage, three miles by boat from the head of the road, yeah. looking right straight out onto one of the Highlands' most gorgeous lochs. And we spent the whole summer there. So those books reminded me of that. Um, I discovered Georgia here as a teenager and she is still my go-to if I feel tired or down or not very well. Yeah. I, I just, I, I have to limit myself because I'm almost at the stage where I could recite them. Yeah, um,
0: I think we all get like that. Jane
1: uh, Val McDermott's Kate Branigan is another one when I'm feeling I need cheered up. I love that series. She's an
0: incredible writer, uh, I must admit. And she's doing so much good stuff, like that whole thing she did with the news and fighting, you know, that whole situation mm. with the football club. She's she's a writer that yeah. I'd love to get on here because I think she really understands a lot of the big problems that we have today. And she's mm-hmm. so clued in. And even her writing is really yep. clued in. That's what That's particularly mm-hmm. what I love about her. And I mean, you're talking about summers, you know, where you went to the island. I mean, I spent my summers in Cullyville, Yale, and that, that's remote. I don't think people realize Yale's quite a remote place sometimes. And mm-hmm. I spent time in Ants too. I spent quite a bit of time in Ants with, with the camper van. My mm-hmm. dad got a camper van, and that was us. We were staying on all the islands that we could get the camper van onto. Um, mm-hmm. I never made it to Papa Stewart. I would have loved to have made it to Papa Stewart, but I never made it there. Oh Papa Stewart is lovely. We yeah. have
1: we have monthly retreats there with the church. Yeah, we just I all, all on the ferry on a Wednesday morning and stay there all day and have Mass in the Kirk and it's it's really it's such nice. It's so quiet. Yeah. It's absolutely silent because there's there's very little traffic on the islands. Yeah. You know, people have an old car that you, they use, but most people just walk everywhere. Well, all eight people who live there at, yeah. during the week, but it's you know Ace where I stay, it's it's a village of three hundred and fifty people, but it's noisy. There's clanking down at the salmon pier, yeah. and there's the school fi- fi- football pitch which appears to need mowed every ten minutes. Yes, and you I know, it, that. and there's cars going past, and it's it's something I really noticed in lockdown. I never ever thought of Ace as being polluted, yeah. and yet suddenly the air was so much clearer. I, yes, I couldn't exactly. believe that actually that made a difference. So so it's lovely going on to Papa because it's just so quiet.
0: Yeah, and that, that was the thing. Like, um, My family all came from Sanus on my dad's side.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. we would go to Sanus and he would show me where my nan had the post office and she lived there and how they mm-hmm. used to walk to school and and all the different stuff you, that you would You were a then? Yeah. Are you a gymnast?
1: Would... Yeah, she... yeah. taught several of stuff. them.
0: You know, and her family is part, you know, part of the Jameson Bull Factory, for instance. So uh, the connections there was so strong. So Dad used to take us down there, and we would spend days just in Sanis. And so many people huh? would come to him and say, "Oh, you're you're Violet Bain's son," and "Oh, this, you know, yeah. this is her granddaughter." And it, it, that meant so much to me. I preferred those holidays as a teenager to being stuck on the mainland where it is polluted i mean i hated going to aberdeen because it was so noisy and Uh i got so used to the quiet in shetland that Uh i just never realized and then when we were staying in Quarth, the traffic in Uh quark got worse in lockdown Uh but it didn't get better because everyone was going for runs you know oh Uh you know we're on lockdown but we're gonna get in the car and drive around and i'm Uh thinking that that's kind of going against the advice, not with the advice. <laughs> but I never realized just how busy that road in and out of Corp is until, and the speeding too. Oh my God, the speeding. My mom and dad went mm-hmm. for a walk and my mom really got mowed down by somebody because they were just taking mm-hmm. a corner too fast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, would you not agree that, that some of the accidents this year in Shetland has been a lot worse, kind of particularly at the the Black Gate and things like that?
1: it it seems to take turns doesn't it you yeah. you have no accidents for a bit and then you have a really bad one
2: yeah but
1: the the worst i think are the ones where you lose four teenagers at a goal because the driver yeah. has had a bit of a drink or is just going too fast
0: and there's and a I, lot I, I think of this is... sort of dangerous driving that they're doing where they're overtaking trucks i mean we were yeah. up there and this guy overtook a truck and then we hit a Person on a pedal bike, and I thought, mm. why, why? You're not going to get very far. I mean, you know, what's mm-hmm. what's the point in this? And myself, I I lost a classmate um, in a head-on collision just after mm-hmm. we graduated. I mean, he mustn't have been out of school a year, and
2: mm-hmm. he
0: was he was taken, and so was the mm-hmm. g- the guy that was next to him. I mean, it, it was it was pretty pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is this is really sad, you know. And there's been quite a few of my classmates that have have passed on. Now. And I think I was surprised because I, I honestly, in my mind, in my way of thinking, and I know this is a very weird way of thinking, but when I was sick, everybody that was sick was always in Aberdeen, and everybody was healthy in Chatland. Like very few people got sick in Chatland as far as I was aware. Um, so this past few years Having having my friends that I went to school with Passing away It's just been It's just been crazy for me And it's such a reality check for me But these are things that happen I think more now um, And I just Yeah, I just, I just kind of Blown away by it So what genre do you feel You're more drawn to? if you If you were in a bookstore Or you were shopping online Cause, you know we've all had to do shopping online lately what's mm-hmm. the first genre that you check out when you're in the store
1: Now this this for me was a really hard one to ask because actually I very rarely visit bookshops I go occasionally into the Shetland Plains bookshop but that's in Lerwick and I don't do Lerwick unless I have to so I, don't I I'm that. only there when I'm in doing an event or you know calling in to say hello or something like that or buying a particular book and down south, actually, again, I go into a bookshop and I think, how's anybody ever going to notice me with all these books? And it almost puts me off. There's just books and books and books, and and you see ones that look the same as other books. You, you're almost seeing the same book over and over again. Um, so I I tend to go into charity shops definitely, <laughs> and I pick do that up as books well. there, and second-hand bookshops. I absolutely love.
0: I have a one in
1: Sterling. If, if I go to a genre, it tends to be classics or history, usually real history rather than novels set in history, um historical biographies and diaries. My lockdown challenge to myself was reading the diaries of Samuel Pepys because wow. of the plague year. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I'm going to read them at all, I'm going to read the full version, only I didn't realise that read to 10 volumes. <laughs> so I. Quite a challenge, though. I'm, I've got to the beginning of April in the final 10th volume. Wow. So I I will be pleased to have finished them. And they've been really, really interesting. But it's it's that sort of thing. And again, online, it tends to be a specific book. So that's where I'm getting my rumour guidance from. But I think as I get older, I get fussier. I, I do read crime books for review purposes, but other than that, it tends to be only somebody that I know is a really good author or, um, you know, I, th- I think there are so many books that I want to read. Yeah. And sensibly speaking, you know, I'm now 63 and most of the women in our family haven't made it to 80. My yeah. mum made it to 82. So I've probably got another 15 years of active life, assuming I don't get Alzheimer's, which is also a family curse.
2: Yeah,
1: same, so, I know that if, if I'm going to read a book, it's, it needs to be one that I really, really want to read. Yes. And I'm exactly. also getting, I, I used to finish every book that I started, and now the author has got two chapters to hook me, and I'm sorry if they've not done it by then. And it doesn't, I mean, if if it's good writing, and I think this, I, I'm going to like this, I'll go along for the ride. But if yeah, it's exactly. if it's supposed to be a straight thriller, if I am unthrilled, I'm afraid it, I, I keep a bag for the charity shop because I'm on due to there every once a month yeah so i just put this bag down by the door and if i decide no i'm not going to read that in it goes yeah unless no, it's sort of in I, which I have to plow right through
0: i mean i grew up with Catherine crookson she was one of, of mm-hmm. my very favorite writers and do you know i'm so yeah. surprised that hardly anyone knows her i go
1: and i do do yeah. surprising there's plenty yeah. of her in the charity shops. She's exactly. she. Cropped, I I assumed that she cropped up you know. I I thought she was still, red, no, but then the Harry Potters. Not. I don't know if children read those anymore. No. You know, maybe there's a a sort of, a sort I, of I think time that people are. The whole young adult itself. thing is,
0: is so exploded, and I mean it's mm-hmm. it's saturated now, that you know Uh you've got book boxes you can get once a month and I I know parents that pay the £35 a month for these book boxes because Uh they get all this other stuff in there and
2: Uh
0: it's very fancy looking books I'll give them that the books are fantastic Uh but the kids Uh they get so wrapped up in these oh it's got to be a new novel and they don't want to read Narnia they don't want to read the fairy tales they don't want to sit and read Harry Potter I mean I was working Uh in the school and most of them could not tell me a classical children's novelist or novel title mm. unless they were reading it in class. And I thought mm. that's scary to me. Absolutely it's terrifying. It's So the, I, the I always make a point, I'm you know, sure. like mm. I make a point in saying Catherine Cookson's my inspiration and when I don't get, like when I meet somebody that doesn't know who she is I mean, she's a dame, you know, so she's well-known. Mm then I explain who she is and I'm dyslexic Uh as everyone knows and so when I read her writing I understood she was writing as she would talk to somebody and that Uh made the books very real to me because it it clicked with Uh me I write how I talk and by the way all Uh my editors hate that by the way because they're like seriously Crystal half the time we don't know what you're saying especially if I go for it like I'm writing along and then I have a Shetland moment and I do something mm-hmm. and it's all Shetland description and then I'm like oh sods and now i got to go and explain mm-hmm. this to this poor editor who's never heard of this at all and you yeah. know I spent two weeks <laughs> to rewrite it but to me she's, she's such an undercredited writer now she was one of the favourite mm-hmm. authors for the Queen and people don't realise huh? that and she yeah. has written a lot of books I mean I've I'm lucky I've got 90% of her collection in my house And I I adore every single book. There is more to Catherine than Tilly Trar. That's the one that everybody Mm. knows. Is Tilly Trar or On the Moth? And you know, she's she's incredible. She actually, when I was reading her interviews and stuff, she hinted at writers like Elizabeth Chat's work. And I went and I read her, and I was like, wow, this woman can write. It was. I mean, I'm not a fan of Viking books because I grew up with a Viking culture and it's very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you something. She pulled off that Norse really well. And I was really Mm -hmm. surprised. And she sold me. With one book, she sold me on her whole series. And none of her books connect to each other, which I didn't realize at the time is all just, you know, a similar theme. And I bought them all because I was like, "This Mm -hmm. this is good writing and it's very difficult to get just Really good writing nowadays. Do you, do you find that when you pick up some of these newer books and you think, "Wow, the, you know, the, this is just not doing it for me."
1: Yes, I I think the quality of the writing is the thing that I tend to notice most. I I will stick with something if it's well written. Yeah. Um, I think also the the books that I review some of them are self published ah, and they've not been properly edited and right. some sometimes authors don't understand that you have to spend on getting a professional editor yeah you do you and it's, do. it's just you you do you just have to you know it it's like if if you were exhibiting paintings you wouldn't you wouldn't stick on any old frame that you'd got from a from a charity shop you no you frame it properly if you were expecting it to sell and it's a business. A business. that's what people you're don't realise, it's a
0: business you know, you, you have mm. to invest money in your business to make money and particularly yes, with authors, you that, that's very important, you've got to also do your homework mm. on who you're publishing with I mean that's yes. something else I find like there is publishers who do these um, part pay contracts and
2: mm.
0: it's not worth it, it really is not worth mm. it, trust me and that that terrifies me now nowadays like i'm doing a ba honors course and they do not teach you about the publishing industry at all Mm
1: -hmm. they teach you
0: how to write they teach you all about grammar they teach you all about you know looking and reflecting on work and and everything like that but they don't Mm -hmm. actually teach you about the publishing industry and you have to kind of learn as you go i mean i was self-published i was severely dyslexic when i self-published and it was awful I binned it I binned it I, I was so embarrassed I binned it and I went on and I I have published with people all over the world and it they don't if they don't have a decent editor I have to leave because if I don't have someone that I can really really work with to make sure that mm-hmm. book's perfect what's the point of me putting it out and I I think I've said that a lot and when I did my book tour my book was perfect but I did a book tour and It just was not well organized at all. I mean, Mm. I'm turning up, and the book's turning up five minutes after me. Mm. You know? And they hadn't marketed it, so none of the stores knew how to promote that I was coming in to do it. And I did a tour from London to to Aberdeen, and Mm -hmm. I did probably 90% of that promotion myself. And every shop I went to, I mean, it was only maybe two or three books in a shop, and I sold out. Because I Mm. knew, I, I mean shetlanders know how to sell we have to know how to sell stuff Mm. i mean i think everyone's had to sell stuff at sunday markets and stuff and that's the great thing about us we can do that and Mm. i I was so disillusioned by that you know i was really disillusioned by that publisher and it took me a long time to find my feet again and now i'm Mm. actually rather than write two or three books in one go i take longer to write a book i take much longer to write a book because i want to make sure it's perfect I mean, my crime Mm. novel, I've been working on it for four or five years now. And I worked with, I'm so lucky, I got in touch with a guy that did 48 hours in the U.S. Incredible gentleman. And that poor detective must have sat and read things 150 times. And the book's not finished. Mm. But he has spent so much time going through police procedures, um, looking at case files. You know, he dug out his old case files. Just to help me, mm-hmm. you know. It was I was really, really, really lucky. And when that book does get published, I know it will be the best book possible. Have I said it in Shetland? Yes, I have. Is it probably a very brutal murder? Uh, yeah. But I actually, you know, when I was in Shetland, I did my research. I drove the road. Well, my my dad drove because I can't drive. But my dad did time things for me, so it's actually. Mm-hmm possible for things to happen <laughs> which not a lot of people actually understand but I knew if I was mm-hmm. going to do a book and every Shetlander was going to read it it had to be spot on because in Shetland you can't get away with it not being spot on because they tell you and I'm sure i Cleese pleased mm-hmm. that a lot of people come up to her at signings and say you do you realize that what you suggested is not possible As a but lot of the die, I stuff I did that say too. that though.
1: It's also important that I believe it as I'm writing it. So exactly. as you say, I do drive from place to place and check how long it's going to take. Or in Cass's case, sail from place to place and check how long it's going to take, which is far more fun. And exactly. um, the book that was set on Fettler Death on a Shetland Isle, then my, I, I sort of got the book more or less roughed out in my mind and yes. um, so that I knew the place we had to go. And then my husband and I had a lovely day out just driving around Fetlar and actually going into places like Broch Lodge, past the large notice that said, keep out, this means you. And yes. <laughs> um, into up to in the folly and along to the beach where where the the person was found and all that sort of thing. And it, it does, it makes it real.
2: Yeah, and I...
1: especially Shetland changes so much at different times of year mm-hmm. that I, I take care when I know when... the the week or week and a half that the book is going to be set in then I spend every day with a notebook just writing down the way the sky changes the colours the light the flowers that are flowering what birds you hear all that because winter is completely different from summer and spring and autumn from each other and you know may and june are different all the little subtle differences and I think that helps makes my book real
0: and I find that too. Like, when I was doing mm. the Marie's World Series, people don't realize that I spent a lot of time researching that. I mean, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a retired dancer. Anyone in Shetland knows I used to teach dance classes. And I had quite a few students, so I knew how difficult it was to do street hip-hop when you're not supported. And I did it in the youth clubs. So not only was mm-hmm. I sitting in my standard graded dance, but I was teaching a full dance class two, three times mm-hmm. a week. And... It was hard work, but I took that research of doing that and putting it into the Marie's World Series. So, like, I Uh know if your knee's sore, you can't do certain moves, okay? If you fall through something, you can't do. And it was great because I sat with, like, people don't realize, I sat with John Haswell for a number of years picking Mm -hmm. his brain. Um, he used to actually hate my conversations in the end because I asked way too many questions for, for his liking and I studied under Izzy as well
1: then my best policy
0: and I I studied under oh, Izzy Swans, well, yeah. and, I, pal, yep. and I, I under mm-hmm. Izzy she got me at age 8 for, for youth drama club and she held on to mm-hmm. me right till I left uh, right, till I moved away because she realized mm-hmm. I had a talent for taking something and running with it so there was a couple mm-hmm. of times that but there was one time she, she came to me and she said, our lead just quit. Now, this is like mm-hmm. the day before opening night.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was
0: like, oh, crap. That's uh, a lot of uh-huh. lines to learn in a really short space of time. But she knew that uh-huh. I could do it because, if you mm-hmm. know, I had I had that talent. So I took a lot of that uh-huh. entertainment stuff, a lot of the wrestling stuff that I had personally experienced by being run wrestlers. And they are really Mm -hmm. difficult people to get on with sometimes. And I wrote the books. And I worked, you know, bless my co-author, Joe, he lives in Germany. I think I spent weeks and weeks and hours on the phone with him getting things perfect. And I didn't just bug Mm -hmm. him. I went and bugged 15 other wrestlers. So it was like the best research book I could put out. And I and I did set some of it in Aberdeen because that's where I spent a lot of my life which people don't realize because mm-hmm. I was a sick kid so sick kids don't stay in Shetland they they go to Aberdeen mm-hmm. for treatment and it was great because I was able to put a lot of the stuff like I knew the nightclub scene in Aberdeen I knew where everything happened and mm-hmm. there was so many people that came to me and said wow your book's really realistic and that, that meant more to me than anything to, to hear that mm-hmm. and I mean it's not a book that's in print at the moment, and I hope that you know I, I republish it at some point. But it gave mm-hmm. me that inspiration to know, hey, this could be something, uh, because I've put the work and the effort into it. And I think if your mm-hmm. writer really believes in something, then that's that comes through. You you can't mm-hmm. fake that. I know a lot of writers yes. try and fake it, and it doesn't work. But with everything I do, because I I knew of you when I was at school because funnily enough we crossed paths once and you rubbed off on me <laughs> and I, I was on a, I was under Annie and Annie was an incredible learning sport assistant for the Anderson High School and she taught me so much about just going with what I knew and loved She was probably nurturing that creative writing side of me way before anybody realized I had any talent. And Mm -hmm. she was the driving force for me to do the writing contest at the library. And I met Debbie Glory. Mm -hmm. Next thing Mm -hmm. I knew, I had a writing career. Like, I, she told me, she says, you've got one hell of a detailed mind. Why aren't you publishing? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I couldn't answer that question to her. And now, I, you know, and she's followed my career since I took off, and that—that's the biggest honor to me was to be able to say to her, "Hey, I've published a book, I've done a book tour, I've walked into a bookstore and seen my book on the shelf." Might not that's have been spotlighted, good. but that was the best moment of my life was to do that. Hmm. I never quite got the moment though of, of walking into the Shetland Booktop shop and seeing my book on the shelf. That was my dream. You will. You will. But I will eventually. Especially if I set a book yes. in Jetland then. They might they might include yes. me. <laughs> I'm
1: sure they will. I'm sure they will. You know, and, yeah. and you were the
0: inspiration for me to do this crime novel. If you know, because I was reading your stuff and we were messaging back on you know, back and forth on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I loved your work. I loved the fact I couldn't tell like what was going to happen. I I've re- I read a lot of Kelly Armstrong recently. She did a thriller series called Omens, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, I don't believe at all it was a thriller. It was like a book that was trying to do so many genres at once. It mm-hmm. was like you couldn't put your finger on what it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and I I couldn't for the life of me. I was like, is this a fantasy? Is this a thriller? Is this a murder mystery? It just didn't tick one box more than any of the others. It was a really good read. I just wish she had, you know, stuck to one thing. It was too much in one
1: go. When I really thought about it, I decided that what I'm probably writing, actually, and I know they come under the heading of of puzzle mysteries, but what I'm probably writing is children's action stories for grown-ups. I think that's what Catherine is in.
0: I mean, I liked yours because it wasn't drip. I hate a lot of the crime novels that you get and it's all about sex. To me, mm-hmm. I, I can't do it. Like, it totally ruins the world yeah. for me. I have to skip over it. Um, there's a mm-hmm. honestly a beautiful crime writer called Marie Force. She's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. I just wish there wasn't any sex in her books. <laughs> And I've said that to her. I said, I love your stuff. I just don't like the sex." you know.
1: Um,
0: And that woman can create a thriller. And they're short. Mm -hmm. And they're actually with a company that's under Mills and Boone. And people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. But she's an incredible Mm -hmm. writer. And I tried her just simply because, uh, you know, a publicity person reached out to me and said, hey, I've got this book. Can you review it? And I Mm -hmm. fell in love with it. It was the same. I I don't know if you've come across uh, Fiona Cummings she no. has an incredible gift for crime and thriller she mm-hmm. wrote a story called Bones and it's about a mm-hmm. serial killer that is desperately looking for, for bones that have been deformed, children with deformed bones and, and skeletons with deformed bones and he, and mm-hmm. it's crazy you just get, and he works in a hospital and you mm-hmm. know that he's you know you you follow this female detective and she's amazing but uh-huh. you're creeped out the whole time because it it slides into his brain a lot and you yeah. think can somebody honestly think like this like you get uh-huh. chills reading it and to me that just being given that book to review has set me uh-huh. on a course to read her constantly if i'm really feeling down and i feel like i'm not a very good writer and i want to throw mm-hmm. it in I go and I pick up her, or I pick up Rachel Kane, or I pick up a Catherine Cookson, or even yours, mm-hmm. and I, I get re-inspired, re-lit, and it mm. means so much more to me than I actually realised. You know, and Uh-oh. I think I think that's the, the good thing about books is that you you know no matter what you're going through, there's a book to get you through it. I think. Mm-hmm. Unless you're that's unless absolute. you're like me who gets stopped reading a really big book in hospital and it's awful (laughs) and then you're like I wish I was doing anything else reading this book but I can't do anything else so I'm just going to have to read it yeah Uh, well I almost
1: had a disaster because I started lockdown in hospital I I turned myself in with um, I'd had problems with bowel cancer and an infection and so on and I was due for a big operation just before lockdown started and I, I I suddenly woke up with this great swelling where the infection was. Yeah. So instead of going into mass, which is what we planned to do, it was the first mass of Lent, the last Friday of the, yep. uh, the last Friday of February, and so I said to my husband, I think, I think actually, I think I probably better go to A and E. Yeah. So we went to A and E, and I was lucky because the. The consultant on duty was actually a bowel specialist from Glasgow, so I could explain to her what the problem was, which was so complicated that she understood what I was saying. She knew my surgeon. Yes.
2: Um, She
1: said to the nurse who was checking me, and take this in one in right now, and tell Chris in Aberdeen to put put her down as an emergency.
2: Exactly.
1: And so I was I was in the Gilbert Bain Hospital in Shetland for they were vaguely speaking about this disease in China somewhere and yeah. then they sent me down an ambulance flight and Philip came with me to stay at Clan, which is this wonderful hostel for cancer patients and their families yeah, and beautiful. so his plan was to stay while I until I had the all and I was there for a month yeah. and so uh, while Philip was still allowed to visit me then he he came in and the plan was that he would go to the Oxfam bookshop in Aberdeen and I'd given him a list of people I would be happy to read any time, like yeah. Dick Francis and Georgette Hare and Jane Austen. He was just going to buy me a couple of books each day. And that was the first shop to close, almost. Yeah. So luckily my Kindle was the complete works of Jane Austen and I think the, probably half the works of Dick Francis. And, you know, so so I I spent my time in Aberdeen getting better and reading Jane Austen well, which was and that's lovely an,
0: that's an amazing way to do it I I had two mm. long stays during lockdown I I mm. was in in January the whole of January mm-hmm. I was in there
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I was lucky I had a good Rachel Kane book with me and bless her she's mm. actually passed on now that is mm-hmm. one I was going to recommend to you to to actually try is mm-hmm. the bitter falls it is mm-hmm. such a good thriller and this poor woman goes mm-hmm. through so much you honestly you root from her mm-hmm. from the get-go because you think what the hell could happen to some like why did this happen to just one person and it, mm. she's got two kids
1: because well. had it in. and every time things like looked like they were getting i mean this is what i do with cass you know if, if her life is going too quietly i think what would she least like to happen to her next and make it happen?
0: Exactly. And then
1: say, get out of that one now, Cass.
0: And, and you know, the yeah. funny thing, I was watching a TV series on Amazon because I have to have something while I'm cross-stitching. Um, otherwise I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. it quietens my brain enough I sleep. I've been watching mm-hmm. Quantico. And it it's, mm-hmm. it's a really good thriller. It, it's funny. Mm-hmm. But the problem is I'm on season two. They've gone through this Quantico thing. And they were FBI agents. They made it out and everything. And then in season uh-huh. two, she's now in, you know, the the next one up the spy, you know, department.
2: Uh-huh. And I'm
0: like, but this isn't Quantico anymore. This has nothing to do with Quantico. And then you uh-huh. know you'll you know it's like the same almost the same idea of season one is replaying in season two. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. but you got rid of the characters I liked in season two. Like, uh-huh. no. And I I find that with some of the books as well Like I loved Rachel because she would sometimes kill the characters I liked the best
2: and Mm -hmm. I would throw
0: the book and I'd be like but it was because she knew it was the one thing that we wouldn't want to happen and you would turn the page desperate to think Mm that this character had gotten out of this and that's what I love about books, I need that oh my god I can't Mm -hmm. put this down because if I don't have that I don't know why I'm reading it. I mean, I yeah. struggled for the first time in my life. I struggled with Leslie Pierce, who's a famous um, period drama writer. And I just, I would get lost in a lot of her description. But then I realized mm-hmm. it was because I was dyslexic and it was going to take me a while to get to the level of reading that I needed to be to understand her. And I mm-hmm. read Gypsy in January. I flew through Gypsy. And I think I, re- I remember texting my hubby. My husband came every two days to the hospital to get me clean clothes because in Glasgow you don't get your clothes washed, so you have to have fresh mm. clothes.
1: To no, you don't in Aberdeen either. No, that was Aberdeen. another thing that went by the wayside.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you know it would be so helpful if you're not from that place, if you're particularly an islander, where you're not got mm. a f- sort of lineage of clean clothes that they could at least you know wash them for you. Because, it, it, you know, no offense, you're, you're changing twice a day in the hospital because things happen and you have to. Um, so bless him, he came in every couple of days with clothes and I, I ended up texting him saying, I need another book. I've read my book. And he's like, but you bring in two books, Crystal. And I'm like, but I can't read the other one. So <laughs> I ordered the entire Catherine Cookson collection <laughs> for my birthday, <laughs> as you do. And uh, he was getting all these parcels coming in through the door. And he goes, do you want a Catherine? And honestly, I I would, I was so glad to have Catherine Gooks in that. Because I had drains in my neck. So I couldn't really, I could not do anything at all. And it was, uh, you know, I couldn't even eat. You know, the one thing everybody loves to do is eat. And I, I, I literally couldn't do that either. So it was, it was nice to have that escape and that kind of, ah, uh, moment. Mm-hmm. I, I did and I, I discovered a couple of authors this year that I didn't know of who I really have enjoyed and they're YA novelists Um, you know it's weird to think that I've gotten to that stage of my life where I can almost pick up anything and I can judge whether I'm liking it or not and I have gotten mm-hmm. into the habit of I know send my books that I don't like down to my mother-in-law who then distributes it around her friends and if they none of them like them then they go to the charity shop <laughs> because <laughs> I believe in recycling novels I hate this idea that I mean I, ca- I literally find out that somebody burnt their books when they were done with them and I'm like why yeah. would you do that and he's like well I need a way to fill my fire I'm like but but people can enjoy that like I was so offended that he would burn a book uh, it took me a long mm-hmm. time to go over that one. But there is people out there that just waste it, you know, and mm-hmm. don't burn the books. I mean, Rachel Cain <laughs> did a whole series on why you don't burn the books. I'll have to recommend that one to you, actually. It's, uh, it's the library. It's called the library series. Mm. And it's when libraries run the world.
1: Doesn't oh, that, yes.
0: Doesn't that not sound really awesome? I, I loved it, just yep. from the opening. And there is, there's a lot, she's very into physics. She was actually, uh, worked at a nuclear plant. So physics comes mm-hmm. into it quite a bit. Um, and I never thought I would actually like that. But apparently, you know, I do. <laughs> I was able to get into it. But no, like, I, I thought of you when I was reading it. The first book I read this year of that series, I actually sat and thought of you. Like, I thought of anyone mm-hmm. would would enjoy a story like that about a library who hold you know has all the knowledge of the world and is holding it hostage you would appreciate that
2: mm-hmm.
0: but i think that's something that as authors we have like we'll read something and if we know people we pass it on
2: mm-hmm.
0: like we're terrible yes. for that we're gossips we're like have you read this
2: <laughs> Yeah. you
0: know that that's, that's that's a positive thing about this i think Okay, so we're going to go on to writing. Now, I have so many, so many questions that I struggled to come up with just the few that I sent you. So, we're going to start off with how did you go about creating the darker characters that you create in your storylines? Was that on well, the road, think... or was that from conversations, coffee shop, watching, the, watching it stuff?
1: Tends to be, when, when I'm creating characters, then I have a rough idea of I I'm not an I, a very meticulous plotter because I find that takes away the writing fun. Yeah. But I have a rough idea of what sort of or what I want the person to do in the story, if I can put it like that. Yeah. And then I have to think to myself, what sort of person would do this? Is it something in their childhood that would make them? You know, is it something about the way they grow up? Or is it something that they really want? I, I think it's it's almost an acting job. The characters aren't dark to themselves. No, they're just dark I, to I, us. I don't know how many people think they are actually bad people. They think they are perfectly reasonable people and the rest of the world is being awkward. Yeah. So what I have to do is almost think myself into the mindset where what I want them to do or what they have to do in the book is absolutely normal and try and try and think of as I'm writing about them, think of somebody who is to them behaving perfectly normally.
0: Yeah, like it's a logical explanation. I mean, when I yeah, did my yeah. um... that's
1: a logical way to behave. They think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even even the most horrible of my villains. I, d- I don't want to give spoilers, but yeah. uh, in um, the the one which set on the Swan, what was it called? The Shetland Sea Murders. Yes. The, I think were my two nastiest villains but to them their behavior was perfectly logical they were supplying a commodity exactly yeah i mean
0: for me when i did my when i started writing my murder mystery i was inspired by something that happened in the states
1: and it Mm -hmm. was i
0: have a lot of friends in the states and i think that's what people don't Mm -hmm. realize is because you know i i traveled to la i spent time in la
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and this murder was so awful to me I couldn't put put it in my mind as why would somebody do this and that became mm-hmm. the context of my book because I mm-hmm. wanted to see what you know taking it from a rational perspective and a logical perspective yeah. I had to say well why would somebody actually do this and when I found mm-hmm. out the real reason the murder had been committed I was more shocked mm-hmm. because my answer was much more logical than what the actual motive yes. was and I thought yeah perfect you know you you need to think like that particularly when you're doing darker characters like when i wrote harold i mean harold was Mm -hmm. based on my best one of my my close friends raven and Uh he has this almost darker side to him because of how he grew up and i was able Uh to kind of tap into his logic and his his way of thinking to create harold but in a bigger Mm -hmm. sense than what he actually is in person
1: Um, Yes, you take little bits of yourself and and swell it out to fill the whole character.
0: Because I think even when you're acting, you have to believe that you're that character. So every time I do dialogue, I have to almost step into the skin of my characters. And I can tell Mm -hmm. you from when I did it with the crime novel, I felt dirt. I always had to have a shower after that character. And I still Mm -hmm. do. Even editing, I still feel like I have to go for a wash afterwards. But that's, to me, how you create not a dark character, but a villain that people can understand why they've done it and it's not too outrageous. Yes. Yes. I I like the fact that we have a similar viewpoint on that. (laughs) There's so many people that that have totally different ways of doing it. So what inspired Mm. you to do a series on the sailboat? I think I know the answer to this one, but I know that people (laughs) will want to know this. And also the do you write at all on the sailboat when you're sailing? Or is it a case of your hands are too full and, you know, you have to just...
1: My hands are too full and my head is too full. <laughs> and in theory, you'd think I could go out there and think out brilliant plots. But I can't because I'm busy sailing. But yes, I I absolutely love sailing. We we spent those magical summers in the West Highlands messing about in boats. Yeah. And then I tried sailing on a school trip. And I just thought, this this is it you know and and so I used my gap year wages to buy a sailing dinghy I still have her a 12 and a half footer and um, then nearly 20 years ago now I bought my yacht Karima so if you if you imagine her as a small caravan with a pointy end and sails, yes she's she's that kind of size she's really really neatly fitted out um and Yesterday I spent getting my mast ready to go up, so I will be sailing again soon. And I thought for a heroine, a liveaboard sailor would be interesting. It's different, Because yeah. if, you're, if you're a single-handed sailor, you need to be... It's, it's back to the Shetland self-reliance again, isn't it? Yes. If I'm out there in the middle of the boat and something goes wrong, either I fix it or I don't come home. Yes. Or if I'm out just round the corner and the wind blows up on me, you know... So you have to be, and and Cass is a much better sailor than I am and has gone much further and knows an awful lot more. But you know, I thought that would be an interesting person somebody who is used to taking charge. um, And in the first book, Death in a Long Ship, she is that is her first command. And I'm afraid we sailors do get a bit like, you know, it actually says in the sailing directions, you are the master under God. He is the next step up when you are in charge of the ship. there's a lot of times you call on him because the seas... And and in some ways that's important because somebody has to see the whole ship. Yeah. Somebody has to look and have a plan and know what's going on and then give instructions to other people who don't have that vision. You can't have three people captaining a ship. So I thought that would make an interesting detective heroine as well. But the other thing that I quite liked is that she's an outsider to the land world. She doesn't get the idea that you should go into a bathroom, uh, you know, in in a public toilet somewhere, and there's a tap labelled hot, and above it there has to be a notice saying, warning, hot water. She's gone. what?
0: Are people on land? When I moved to the mainland, (laughs) I got stuck on that a lot because there was no sign yeah. when I grew up in Shetland about hot water I was like, what no, the
1: hell is no, this? No, I mean, it says hot on it I know How stupid do you have to be not to know that it might be hot so that, so that also on sea, you know there are no rules except getting yourself home in one piece Yeah, and so you tend to work by common sense
0: and that's not and so, something that's available a lot yeah. nowadays
1: and that doesn't always work with land laws where there are su- fiddling funny rules that there is no obvious sense for. So I, I thought that would be a fun detective heroine. And then, of course, there are the 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 sort of ongoing relationship between her and her police officer, Gavin, who is a land person. He's, he's her opposite. He loves the hills. He loves the land. He loves working with You know, sheep and cows and all that sort of thing. His brother has a farm. Um, Yes, so it's it's opposites attract, but on the other hand, they're both very similar in that they like silence, they like peace, they like solitude.
0: And I think could work.
1: I think he has. They would have an expensive lifestyle. You know, if they want to settle down and be good Catholic parents with six little Catholic children that sit in the pew of, in in sort of diminishing order of height, and which is what Cass's dad would like, of course, being of a, course. being a dyed-in-the-wool Irish Catholic, um, and definitely not after before matrimony either. There will be a shotgun pointed at Cass, I think, if ever a baby comes along. Oh, yeah, well, I, I um, think there'd
0: be a World War Three if there's a baby that comes along for Cass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I don't I I think half of her would absolutely love it but she has to understand that she has to give up the sea
0: I don't think because she could, though. I don't I don't think she's
1: well that's what I'm not sure about either well I, I really genuinely don't know whether Gavin if Gavin wants a family and he does whether he's going to have to go and find somebody else exactly, or whether she's going to have to accept that to have the kind of lifestyle they want her sailing her sailing world will not provide the money to exactly. keep one person at home. And his I I also think
0: like when we look at it as Shetlanders, we all had to give up sailing at some point, whether it was for health, whether it's for family. And you end mm. up missing the sea It's like this mm. itch that you can't scratch. Mm. And I mean yes. for me I couldn't go out in my, once my grandfather passed, I, I couldn't go out in a fishing boat anymore because his boat was gone. Mm-hmm. We had to sell his boat because of his Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I long, I missed it a lot. Like my husband mm-hmm. will tell you that any opportunity I get to go on a boat or a plane, yes. I take it in a Absolutely. Heartbeat. Yes. I'm yeah. probably the only person I'll... he's ever met that can sleep most of the way to LA, but yet nobody else is sleeping in the plane because I snore too loudly. You know? um, in fact it was that bad the cabin crew came and asked me if I'd wake up just for a while so that everybody else could sleep and I'm like wait am I really that bad um, to the point where my husband uh, when we finally got to LA, he had to sleep because he hadn't slept the entire journey there and it was like 16 hours mm-hmm. we traveled and then of course we had a we had an earthquake uh, he'd been in mm-hmm. bed less than an hour and there was an earthquake and he looked at me in a very Glaswegian way of saying this he said i'm not getting up i'm going back to sleep this is a, this is a <laughs> big earthquake and he's sleeping through it you know uh-huh. so i can understand cass's dilemma like to uh-huh. the idea of me cuz like a lot of writers have to give up writing for a period of time when uh-huh. you have children because
2: yeah.
0: it's very hard to write if you've got a 3 year old running around your feet you know it's it's extremely uh-huh. difficult and you've got to keep an eye on these kids nowadays they they don't they don't learn from things like sticking their fingers in the electrical sockets or why you don't pull a cat's tail for instance
1: the way way i dealt with that because i was a single parent for a lot of lot of my you know my my daughter's childhood and um i got up an hour earlier because marnie is not a getter upper she is at her best after midday
2: that's, and that's so
1: handy. I, I picked up at half past five so that I had an hour to write before I hit my school day.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and that, that was the only way I managed to do it.
0: I mean, when I was working at the school, um, I, was up, I got up at 6 a.m. because my mm-hmm. mom needed the fire on every morning. And I mm-hmm. knew I could put the fire on, make a cup of coffee, and I would get at least an hour of writing or at least an hour to do, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is bad for you, but emails. Oh my lord, uh-huh. emails. They take like most of the day sometimes. And I just uh-huh. sat in that hour. I would either write or i do emails. And then I'd go to school, finish at three, come out, and then it would be two hours I would write. And sometimes I'd fall asleep in that hour because <laughs> kids wear you out. Um, and uh-huh. I would just write. But yeah, it's, it's a fear mm-hmm. of mine to be a new mommy. And have to write. Mm-hmm. I think my novel will have to be finished before I give birth, you know, once I get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I want to be able to say to my kids, hey, you know what? Mom was a writer when you guys were little, and Mama was publishing, mm-hmm. and, you know, that yeah. stack over there is all Mom's books, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I mean, that's a legacy. I can leave the kids, and, you know, they can mm-hmm. tell their grandkids, hey, your granny was a was an author, and she kept it going and she did podcasts and she really broke out of the traditional roles mm-hmm. you know um and that's why Every i like you because I, I look up at you I... and you, you've got that amazing writing career you know where you're with a mainstream publisher you're with a, an amazing agent mm-hmm. I've, I've had a couple conversations with her she's fantastic um you'll have to let me mm-hmm. know i said that actually um but yeah it's like you know i i want to lead the charge forward almost for women because i know a lot of women when they have kids they think oh well that's it you know i don't Mm -hmm. think that that should be the case you know
1: maybe that's Uh, just me i I don't know if people do still think that and whether marnie is following my example but because i was a single parent i had to work and so i was i was a teacher you know and that fitted nicely with her school holidays and i thoroughly enjoyed it that that was my second choice of career the first one was a writer yeah. but now you know she's got two children and she's still an actor well there you go and, yeah. and a busy one you see her um now let me see does the commercial where the wee boy steals a cake for her for his sister mr kipling one does that ring any bells Yeah, it
0: does. yes it does okay
1: well she's the mother in that All one right
0: i mean i think it's incredible that she i think she's learned from you and i think that's the thing like my mom worked when she had me i was sick a lot Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of times she couldn't work and it was just me and her Mm -hmm. but she had a drive that really rubbed off Mm -hmm. on me and it wasn't just from her like it was like a woman thing in my family like my grandmother was Mm -hmm. driven uh, on both sides, we were driven, and then my great grandmother, right up till I was eleven, you know, she's in a mm-hmm. care home and she's still knitting and she's driven. And my nan was the same, mm-hmm. right up till she passed; she was knitting away like crazy. In fact, they put all the mm-hmm. squares together and made one last blanket because that's all she could knit at the end was squares.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that to me, I think it's, a
1: thing. Yeah. I think it's accepted. You know, it's it's kind of a a miners and a fisherman. Saying yep. that that the woman is at home and the man is away at sea, and he may not be home for three or four days, and somebody has to keep the household running, and the exactly. somebody is us.
0: Yeah, and the I'm, thing I'm is, sure. like, my father used to say, "I am the wildest and freest spirit." He's like, "You can't just mm-hmm. do the whole stay-at-home mom thing." You know, you can't even mm-hmm. just have a job, Crystal. Like, you you take it to mm-hmm. the next stage where you have to be the best person at the, my work, mm-hmm. and I. When I was working with the kids, I did that. I was one of the best support teachers that they could have because I listened to the kids. I played with the kids. I mean, I w- I'd go mm-hmm. out in the playground, as nuts as it sounds. Yeah. And I'd be, you know, I yeah. would be playing catchy. And um, there was mm-hmm. a hug catchy we had for nursery because the kids were really scared of this whole COVID thing. And we were trying to figure mm-hmm. out ways to help them. And I came up with hug catchy and it worked. Mm-hmm. These kids mm-hmm. that were terrified... who were were seeing the news and stuff, it changed the game. And then when I came down Mm -hmm. here and I worked with severely autistic children, I was Mm -hmm. surprised at how well I actually did with them because it was almost like I could understand them from I've been in special needs, I've lived it, and now I know how to treat them like I would have wanted to be treated. like I treated them as if they were normal people who mm-hmm. just needed somebody to sit next to them in class because kids are annoying I'm, I'm sorry there's always one child in the classroom that you want to just strangle because they don't well, shut up every time. or they tease yeah. the other kids or they throw things you know and mm-hmm. and I didn't mind doing that I just I was so sad when I had to give it up because you know health is health is uh-huh. something that people uh-huh. don't always take for well they do take for granted and I think you and me understand mm-hmm. that we don't get infinite amount of health these days. Things do go wrong mm-hmm. and you just have to be able to adapt and adjust with it.
1: Yes. And it's it's something that I net I do take good health for granted a bit, but I had many years of M E and that, you know, every morning I'd wake up feeling like I had a particularly bad hangover. Morning after morning after morning. Yeah. And so exhausted. At one point I was actually teaching from a sitting down position because it, it was too tiring to stand. Yeah. And having, having got over that, you know, made me appreciate every every day I wake up feeling well. I want to just get out there and enjoy the day and, you know, take the boat out or get out in the garden or even just go for a walk. And so so yeah. It's lovely to have my bounce back after so long of messing about health wise.
0: Yeah, and I mean For me, like, I'm still in that bounce-back stage where I went through Mm -hmm. probably the worst two years of my life with my health. And Mm -hmm. I I used to always bounce back like a bouncy ball, so I would be down for, Mm -hmm. like, a couple weeks, then I'd be back, like, 110% Mm -hmm. better than what I was. Mm -hmm. And this time it was like I hit the floor, and it was like Mm -hmm. somebody had to peel me with a spatula to get me off it. You know, it took me so Mm -hmm. long to to climb back, yes. and I still am climbing back. I have days where mm. I get so lost in a book, I'll look up and be like, oh crap, I forgot to eat lunch, or, or whatever. Mm. And to me, like, I have to almost stop myself now and really be regulated in saying, okay, meal times are important. The book can, mm. can wait. I will pick up it again. <laughs> I mean, you
1: don't want it to. No, you don't you want, want to it take... to, and people don't understand
0: yeah. that. It's like, you get lost mm. in the characters I actually have to put Mm. meals into my books to remind me to go eat, (laughs) you know, it sounds like such a crazy Mm -hmm. thing and people don't realize Mm -hmm. that I'm doing it for that reason. Like I will have a deliciously described meal so that I go eat something, (laughs) you know, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, you know, permission to go and have dinner or permission to go eat lunch. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. I, i understand that sometimes i have to write in hospital and i don't know if you've experienced that writing in hospital but it, mm-hmm. it's very different because you've got somebody annoying you every 15 minutes for something and mm-hmm. you're like i mm-hmm. just want to write so i ended up writing at night because i had three weeks i didn't sleep for three weeks in the hospital mm-hmm. it was like the hardest three weeks and all i did He's was even the middle at yeah, peace yeah, you're never going to get peace And I wrote for three weeks And I finished a book that was over 100,000 words mm-hmm. It probably makes no sense And I, I've got it with an editor right now And I've not heard from her in a while So I'm starting to wonder if she's maybe too dug in Everything. No. But, yeah. I, I did
1: have to I I had two weeks my psoriasis suddenly flared up really badly and I went over to the doctor she tried me with one cream but that was just before Christmas so by the time I realised it didn't work it was after Christmas so she tried me with another one of course that was over New Year and by the time New Year was all over my skin was red raw and horribly painful and so I went over to see the doctor and she looked at it and said I think we'll have you in Aberdeen today go home and pack a bag yeah. I didn't realise that apparently ps- psoriasis can turn into septemia, So I yes. spent a whole fortnight wrapped, slathered in coal tar, and wrapped in bandages like something from the Return of the Mummy. Um, but it was it was a sort of far. It was part of the old bit of the hospital, sort of six flights up. Yes. And I spent my entire day on my own, except for somebody passing me passing me in a tray of food. And yeah. um, that that I used to transcribe the diaries of my intrepid aunt Isabel, that I'd been sort of working over, and and I had a whole fortnight which I just spent solidly in 1917 on the Russian front driving ambulances in my head. Yeah. Um. So yeah. It it it's a good time to get peace and quiet and your meals made for you.
0: Yeah. But I, mean, I don't recommend
1: it. I it's don't like recommend it's a good it way, way, either.
0: Yeah. I mean that's, but, that's crazy because we both had You know septicemia scares yeah. um, I actually had sepsis but I was lucky my mm-hmm. body walled it off It was like yeah. no, I
1: didn't actually get septicemia But she was worried that it was concerned to that
0: Yeah, it was yeah.
1: Horrible.
0: I mean I, I got it in Shetland I actually developed mine in Shetland And it got mm-hmm. missed by Aberdeen Because they had never seen it before So they didn't know what it was mm-hmm. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. I was back in Glasgow when they scanned me and they were like, oh my God, she's... And it was like almost as if everything became rushed. I was ordered mm-hmm. into the hospital. That night I yes. was told the joints were coming out. You know, it mm-hmm. was it was done so quickly mm-hmm. that it was almost like I had to blink and it was all kind of taken care of. Yeah. And yeah. as a writer, I think i don't know if this is the same for you but i have control issues so (laughs) if i don't have a say in something i don't particularly go well with it you know um and i i I really did find that where i was like okay um right can i have a say in this now (laughs) and i didn't get a say in it but it was good
1: um I, i think Controlling tendencies are more teacher tendencies than than writer tendencies. Oh,
0: well, they're not definitely I think, got the teacher tendencies.
1: <laughs> I, I think, as far as hospital is concerned, I now understand that hospitals are no place for sick people. No. That um, the doctors are far too busy thinking about 10 of you to be able to focus on one of you. Oh,
2: I agree. And if with
1: you that. want to get well and you want to get out of there, you need to question everything they say. Um, yes. Think about everything they want to do, make sure they explain everything properly. And I'm afraid I am now the patient from hell, but that so is am through I. experience.
0: Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, they are micromanaging. You know, I, I got mm. this whole big speech on don't micromanage your doctors. Uh, I'm sorry, you missed sepsis. I, I, I don't have that level of trust at the moment for you. I said, you got to earn it back. Like, I mean,. You know, I had a surgeon, it was he was such in you know, such a rush to get me operated on. They made mistakes. Um uh-huh. but I got my jaw joints replaced before he left. Uh-huh. However, he didn't uh-huh. have time to hand me over to the new surgeon. So that was uh-huh. awkward. And it was at a different uh-huh. hospital, so that was awkward. And uh-huh. for me, like particularly, I feel for my husband because he's gotta drive me to like eight different hospitals sometimes
1: because mm-hmm. all these specialists they don't work at one place at they're yeah. absolute, I, I know they have one big computer that they should all be looking up at but the number of times I've had to try and chase up oh, letter yeah. from consultant which hasn't been received by the GP that sort of thing yeah, or more like letter from the consultant which has been filed by the GP and nobody tells me about it oh are, so you, I'm you, now you feel like the secundary any
2: time yeah.
1: tested, I am phoning the, the doctor's surgery to say have those results come in yet
0: Oh, well. I, I understand that I, I do really understand that because mm-hmm. I have doctors in different districts and they it is a one system thing but Aberdeen mm-hmm. wouldn't talk to Glasgow and Glasgow wouldn't talk to Aberdeen and Edinburgh wouldn't talk to uh, Glasgow and Glasgow wouldn't talk to Edinburgh. It was such a fight every day to get mm-hmm. things organised that I almost wanted mm-hmm. to pull my hair out. Um, it's a full time mm-hmm. job. Like if you've got I've got it, my my condition is now classified as um, adriopatic rheumatoid arthritis, which means it comes from Uh juvenile. It means that it evolves Uh and it changes every five years. Uh I have to re-explain that to some of these doctors. Like, Uh if I go see somebody about dermatology, for instance, because that's how I got sepsis, Uh was actually from my skin. Uh I have to explain it or if I go and I see a pain specialist because that, that's the new thing if you've got a long term disease now you've got to see a pain specialist then mm-hmm. you almost have to explain well this is the reason that I'm not just going to jump and do everything you say and this is why I'm asking 50,000 questions because I've been through the, the worst mill you could possibly imagine and I've survived and I really don't want to go back there and it was mm-hmm. the same, like, I was so anal with this COVID stuff because, I mean, I didn't want to end up in ICU again. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. my husband probably oh. went mad because I'm like, no, hands, mask, test. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if he got a cold, he got tested. It was, it was the only way I could protect myself. I think it's ridiculous mm-hmm. now that the government's only solution for people with high-risk factors is to give us a badge. Like, what's mm-hmm. a two-meter badge going to do in the real world? It, it it doesn't make sense to me, you know. But mm. this this is the world that we live in, where things just don't make sense, you know.
1: Yes, a lot of the time.
0: So, when you write your novels, you you've talked about um, the way that you've put it together. Things do you get it as a jigsaw puzzle, or is it more like is it more like a film for you?
1: Um. I think once once the ideas are flowing and I'm writing full speed then I do see it as a movie or more like something I'm acting in yeah and occasionally I've been surprised that I'm in my writing room and not halfway down the wall with Cass
2: yeah
1: but it's also the the plot is a jigsaw puzzle I have all these pieces that I think yeah that belongs here and that belongs there and and my desk gets ends up covered with little notes saying remember so and so does such and such and as I'm writing also I print it out so far so that if I have a good idea then I can flip back and write in the margin tell such and such here or interview so and so here um, so that when I go and redraft then I've got all these ideas they're written down so I don't lose them because you know what ideas which are not written down go like they just disappear they
0: disappear yeah I, i'm the again. same i have i have a breakdown of every chapter and then i have
1: oh, notes. no i tried that the first time yeah. um the, the first three books maybe mm-hmm. i really meticulously plotted beforehand yeah um and it just wasn't as much fun to write
0: yeah i like i
1: I usually know who the murderer is but occasionally at the end I suddenly think oh that would be a more surprising murder yeah. and, and
0: change I think it changes from book to book I think for me I get mm. movie most of the time but then I get books mm. that are jigsaw puzzles where I've got I've broken down the book maybe four or five years ago or I lose mm-hmm. the notebook that has the book written down in it and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, I've got to put these pieces together from my memory. Um, and sometimes it becomes something completely different. The
1: things that you remember are the, are the key points. That's exactly. what the reader's going to remember. Yeah. Well, so
0: and it, sometimes that, it's good that you lose the notebook because it means you get a completely better or different story than what you would have had yeah. if you'd kept the notebook. Because yeah. um, yeah. I've recently had that happen to me. I'm actually jigsawing the book back together because the notebook has vanished somewhere and Mm -hmm. I can't find find it anywhere and I had the whole Mm -hmm. book broke down in it Um, so I always think it's interesting to ask writers because people forget we're human and we don't always have the easiest time in putting these things together so this is a double barrel mm -hmm. question now for you which character stayed with you the longest and is there a character that you wish you could have written more about
1: well I have got very fond of my cast um i've that's that's 10 books now she's been in nearly 11. um it's a good series. i don't identify with her. people quite often say are you cass and i say no she's like a, a rather wayward little sister who will not take good advice and won't listen to me her big sister um Which but I, I enjoy ever write. Yes. yeah I, I enjoy writing about her and my husband always says i'm balshier when i'm writing when i'm really immersed in cass's head A character I'd like to write more about. I invented a whole Norse family for... I I wrote a a half-length book called Footsteps in the Dew for publishing at Shetland Noir. And it's a half-length crime novel set in Shetland in Norse times. And the main character, Ranveig, who was the oldest sister, and her mother had died seven or eight years ago at at the birth of, of her youngest brother, and she had this sort of lively bunch of siblings, and I had an awful lot of fun with them and and taking myself back. It was set Unst oh, in wow. Anst, so in the the big okay. up above land.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, I would like to write another half length crime novel about them, and then publish the two together as one book.
0: I think that would be but amazing. I think that that could be. It a would be. A really
1: it would be nice book. to get time to do it, of course. Yeah, it's if the I time. can get off, then maybe I'll have time over the summer. But the problem is the summer is the summer is the time to go out for a nice sail, if exactly. at all possible. Exactly. And
0: I mean, I mean, I find it hard to write if the sun's shining because I'll say to husband, mm-hmm. can you drive me somewhere? Can you take me down to the beach? Can, mm-hmm. can we go somewhere in the car? Because unfortunately, I don't drive. So the only way I can mm-hmm. get anywhere is if hubby's driving. Um, and yeah. I think... For me, like I do take a notebook when I'm in the car, and sometimes I do take the computer uh-huh. with me and i'll I'll write because uh-huh. I write better when I'm in the sun than I do
1: uh-huh.
0: when i'm you know in in winter and when I was in l a uh-huh. because the sun uh-huh. rose at five in the morning and it was such a warm place to be, I uh-huh. actually felt more better than I'd ever felt in my life because my condition was uh-huh. under control, and I wrote so much in that uh-huh. two week you know it was like seven days or something but i wrote a lot like we'd come back Uh my husband you know was not great in the sun he would fall asleep and Uh i would be sitting on the bed i couldn't handle Uh his his temperature gauge for the the room so i'd be bundled under Uh blankets which i had promised the mexican woman i'd give back and i was Uh writing and you know I completely adapted to the LA lifestyle so quickly and I miss it. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to go back and, and spend a bit more time there and, and spend more time mm-hmm. with the people, the actual locals, not the, not the celebrities that I know or the wrestlers yeah. I know or the actors mm-hmm. I know, but actual locals. I mean, I yeah. walked through the Grove and it, it was such a different feel to walking through Riverside. And I got to mm-hmm. see quite a bit of LA in that regard, but they don't, they are people that don't walk anywhere
1: mm. And I had
0: to get used to the fact There's no streetlights There's not a mm-hmm. single streetlight Unless a business I is put up
1: I do wish they had that in Shetland yeah. We don't need streetlights No
0: we don't need them in was... Shetland But they do need them in LA <laughs> you know? um, Or being on the motorway And you can't see your exit They need mm-hmm. lights on the motorway So you can see where your exit is That would be helpful You know. Mm. But I I did find that uniqueness of Shetland had reached LA. That's something people don't know. Mm. There's actually streets in in LA that's named after Shetland places. Oh good. How crazy is that? You know?
1: Mm.
0: We have reached the land of immortality and stars and we have areas <laughs> of that place is named after us. Like there was an Unst. I found a street called Yell, I found a street called Shetland. And my husband goes, only you would find a street in America named after where you come from. I swear there's Shetlanders <laughs> in LA, so if you're a Shetlander in LA, I want to hear from you. Because I know we got everywhere. You know? Um, so I find that I find that the best. Honestly, I, I, it tickled me so much when I saw that. So we, we've talked a lot about editing, writing, and life. So now it's more about your hobbies. What hobbies do you take up and what would you want to explore if you had more time
1: well um, one of my big hobbies which which I, I do for an hour a day is playing the flute yes. and I started four years ago so I'm not very good and I will never get very good but I'd always wanted to learn and then one of Shetland's flute teachers Neil Morris, you know? Oh yeah, Hello, um, Neil, yes his wife was my head teacher for a bit, and, and yeah. they announced that they were leaving Shetland. I said, "But, but I want to learn the, to play." because yeah, so I was thinking. Like, yeah, yeah. And he said, "Well, now or never." So it took me about three weeks to get even a squeak out of the flute. If you've ever <laughs> picked up a flute and tried to get a note from it,
0: yes, Neil made me try I several
1: times. I read yes, bell, I think, by the time he left. And now I'm working on Beethoven. He wow. he passed me on to another teacher. But I do love that. I practice for an hour a day straight after lunch and there's a chorus of, of sparrows in the garden and they sort of appear. There's up to a 100 of them. Yeah. And they appear and they sit down in the flowering currant bush just outside the window where I play and you see them sort of choosing the best seats and arguing <laughs> over who gets first look at the programme and whether they've brought the sweeties with them. Yes. And then they just sit and keep along and, and there might be not one anywhere. And then suddenly they appear um i think i mentioned dressmaking costumes for of theater course, yes. and i have played almost everything in panto i haven't played the dame but i last nope two months ago yeah. i finally got to be cinderella i'd i'd wow. been because i'm tall i'd been the principal boy i'd been the sidekick i'd been broker's man i'd been the evil woman which was great fun witches are always best yes of course. um so finally in Roll dull i got to play cinderella old dolls Cinderella not quite the same
0: well it's still Cinderella I mean I used to get all the small rolls too because I'm only five foot one Mm. so Izzy used to
1: you'd get the princess
0: oh no I never got the princess no I always Mm. got the evil the evil ones because I I could do evil really well yeah and yeah I always got I got king rat a couple of times I was Mm -hmm. in the panto the pad Pipe Piper and I got I had to direct the rats that was my job because I could fit in the hole that was the only reason I got that role was I could (laughs) I could fit through the hole that they had cut and they hadn't cut the hole big enough for the original person that was playing it and my first Mm -hmm. debut on stage was the king rat running around Garrison Theater, squeaking my head off and jumping in a hole I probably saw you oh yeah and I had bruises on my knees for weeks but no. it was worth it um and Izzy had yeah. me playing selkies and all sorts after that but I never got to do one mm. of the big pantos and it was one of my regrets in Shetland I I really wanted to do one of the bigger pantos but I can't sing mm. so I think that's maybe what it is I'm terrible I'm I'm an awful singer so I think I think John had had said to Izzy yeah, don't cast Crystal as a singer <laughs> so uh, yeah, but Bless and John put me in a lot of uh, a great roles so. maybe
1: you were a really good character part because the king rat needs to be sold and I sold like.
0: it, yeah I mean my mother, oh, really she it. actually thought there was a rat in the garrison theater, she'd jump out of her seat because she'd never heard me do it before <laughs> and there was quite a few people that were like what the hell You because know, mm-hmm. I just have a natural squeaky voice anyway so Izzy was mm. like, yeah, no brainer. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. She, she hung on to me after that. And I, I did a lot of stuff that was that was fun. For me, I go into the hobbies of cross-stitch and uh, stuff like that. Because mm. I, can, I can decompress my mind that way. So mm. is there, like, what else do you do to clear your mind? If, like, you've had a really tough day editing, a really tough day writing, what is it that you do to, like, silence your brain? Oh at night
1: um well i like watching films my husband and i do wednesday evening and saturday evening in front of a movie um collapse collapse into a nice hot bath was a good book if if it's been a really bad day or go and play my flute um or read uh but i mean my favorite is taking the boat out and in summer i still do two hours at my desk every day so I I do till 9 till 11 and then have a cup of tea with Philip. And then after that, I consider the day as my own, unless yeah. I have to do anything or writing, in which case I have, I have to clock back another day.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's that is very similar for me as well, because I'll I'll get up early and then I usually have hospital appointments. Mm-hmm. So like um in studying too like i took on a ba honors program and, and if you know anything about being mm-hmm. dyslexic it is extremely hard to do it mm-hmm. because you don't have a scribe and you don't have the support system if you're doing it remotely and i had mm-hmm. no clue what i was taking on when i did this i'm in mm-hmm. my year two and i mean it's been a it's been a battle i'm only just now getting a dyslexic assessment because i never had one in shetland they never assessed me in mm-hmm. So I'm about to go through yeah. that, um, but it seems to be a family tradition. All my family members were dyslexic. Um,
1: yes, it it goes through the families. Yeah, it does. And it, and you, I just I pray I that my daughter true. and
0: my son it isn't because my husband is so smart. I'm just hoping his mm-hmm. genes knock out my bad ones and and we get the best of
1: both. People are smart too, and that's yeah. that's one of the one of the ways that you spot them, somebody who is very smart verbally and, and has difficulty with writing. And that was, and me. Sometimes reading.
0: Um, that was me. I yeah. could tell you a fantastic story and that's why they gave me a scribe for every class. Mm. It does not help yeah. in math. I have to say, a scribe did not help me in math at all. And still to this no. day, I cannot do mathematics to save my life. <laughs> but I, yeah. you know, I, I learned a lot about myself from having a scribe. I think I would have probably come out of the education system with nothing if i hadn't had a scribe
2: because
0: mm-hmm. i mean yes. i couldn't write anyway but the, the arthritis was destroying mm-hmm. my hands at the time and it's only now in the mm-hmm. last sort of, four years that i'm able to physically write but i can't physically write in mm-hmm. a notepad for very long before the pain gets too much mm-hmm. so I've, I've learned my limits and i really think the scribe helped me on that so i feel i feel very mm-hmm. lucky so this is another hard question, I know you're going to hate this, programs but where is like your... Dragon Dictate? Oh.
1: Have you tried programs like Dragon Dictate? I did,
0: and you know, it's only been the last few years that my Shetland accent has thinned, so it's not mm-hmm. as, as thick as it used to be, but I talk too mm-hmm. fast for Dragon Dictate. Um, particularly if I'm writing, uh, my thoughts just come as a, as a rush, it's a bit like mm-hmm. a waterfall. And to try and get that out through my mouth while writing, mm. I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And also, because you're, you're having to tell Dragon and take, full stop, new paragraph, it throws you completely mm. out of your rhythm. And I, I yeah. really struggled with it. And I said to my, yeah. my hubby was watching me fight with it. And mm. it was the accent that was the 90% of the problem. Because mm. I, like if I was to say Bonnie, it comes out very shattery but I can't say it in a Scottish way and I can't say it in an American way that makes it sense to the computer Mm -hmm. so I really felt like I had my hands tied with that Um, so Mm -hmm. I I type and I do you know if I have to spell a word and I am not getting it then I will say Mm -hmm. it and the dragon you know I use the dictation at that point but most of it is Mm -hmm. is handheld writing unless I'm reading it if I've written it out and I'm reading it I can read it into the computer and it's easier um, and yeah. actually, that slows me down, especially if I'm editing. I'll get the computer to read it mm-hmm. to me um, because I find it very difficult to read off a computer screen, and that, that has helped mm-hmm. me a lot more. So I've mm-hmm. I've learned tricks and stuff as I go along, but um, mm-hmm. I wish I'd known this when I was in high school, kind of like. So, what's your <laughs> favorite place to curl up during the day? Like a garden, cafe, reader's note, um, sofa.
1: Well, I, I still need a two-hour rest in the afternoon. Four yeah. to six. And I go, go to bed with three cats. Yes. Um, I do have a wooden deck chair for the garden, but it's usually too windy in Shetland to read easily. No, you And the, the book is yeah. very comfy. We have a lovely sunny conservatory with a chaise lawn. But my favourite reading seat ever, back at our childhood cottage, and I wish I could re- repeat that, was an old Victorian hip bath with a cushion in the bottom. Oh. That I remember as being the most literally comfortable place to read. So it's only that fair too. to say my sister said she never could, but I wish I could find another old Victorian hip-bath
0: I was, I was lucky
1: because in the, the hotel,
0: we had for the mm. wedding it had a an iron brass claw tub mm-hmm. and it was so supportive mm-hmm. of your back and your neck. I read mm-hmm. 60 pages in one go which is unknown yes. for me because I, you know, I have to take mm-hmm. things slowly when I'm dyslexic and I was addicted to the tub. I wanted to take the tub home with me because it was the best bath I'd ever laid in. And I picked that yep. room. I, of all the rooms in the hotel I could have had for the wedding, I picked that room because of the <laughs> tub. And it had great window seats for reading, too. So I actually, prior to going to sleep that night, I was sitting reading an awful classical novel, um, Othello, in the window seat of the hotel and i was watching these birds of prey that they have at the hotel flying around at night Mm. and i was reading a very spooky read but it was great and that Mm. you know that to me has been my favorite two reading spots i've had i've not got a favorite reading nook in this house yet but um yeah Mm -hmm. i usually have to read in bedtime or in the bath because it's the only time i get Mm -hmm. to read but yeah so far at the moment the car is my place to go um if i Mm -hmm. really want to spend a time reading i'll say hey ian can you take me out but i'm actually reading um ursula which is a science fiction novel for my ba honors course which Mm -hmm. has totally thrown me because it's like politics but in space
2: Mm -hmm. so it's
0: it's not a genre that i would have ever read if it wasn't for the course Mm -hmm. and and so far i'm 20 pages in and i think i know what's going on but Mm -hmm. when it gets to the mathematics point i think that's when I will lose the plot entirely because I'll have no clue what they're talking about. But, you know, it, it's it's good. So we're wrapping up with the uh, word game. Yeah. I know I sent you the words before we started because I knew yep. that you would st- <laughs> everybody struggles with this game. I've had people uh-huh. ask me can I just give you one word that comes to my mind first? So if it's if you can't type it, but feel free to just give me a word in response. Um, that seems to be easier for some people I don't know why but... so the first word is sheep
1: okay um, I had difficulty with this one but I came up with The Little White Horse by Elizabeth Gouge which I absolutely loved as a child and the the boy in that story Robin was a shepherd
0: I like that, see I came up with Thomas Harding So. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: waves
1: Waves was a book called Gathering Wind and it's a story of the loss of the replica bounty and I read that the the ship that was made for the Mel Gibson movie oh, The Bounty right, yeah. Yeah. they made a replica and this that continued as a as a sort of taking passenger ship and I came across the story of how she was lost in a storm because two of the folk on board the Surlanda had actually been on board yeah. in that Um so that's, that's waves, huge waves.
0: And then they're um, ravens. Now, I got this one from, uh, it was a young adult thing, and I loved it because it was an entire series about the raven bones. So that's where I got mine mm-hmm.
1: from. Well, mine was um, Raven Call Me Brother by Gavin Maxwell. Ooh. You know, he wrote the stories about the otters, Ring yeah. of Bright Water. Yeah. Well, Raven Call Me Brother was the, was the last one of those.
0: And then I came up with crows because my house was yeah, full of crows
1: in the moment. Yeah, I'm happy with this one, um, but I thought of one one of my favourite um, golden age crime r- writers is Patricia Wentworth, yeah. and she wrote one book called *The Case of William Smith*, in which this this man who'd lost his memory in the war came back and he carved animals, and one of them was a key crow, crow, oh, and it was through seeing clever. the animals that the people that knew him recognized him. Yeah.
0: Ever. And then we've got powdered mm. sugar, which to me this is a the snow Shetland. I had
1: a different idea of a book set in the 18th century with somebody breaking down a sugar loaf, because sugar loaves used to be sort yeah. of tall, pointed things. Um, but I went for Ellis Peters' The Virgin in the Ice, which oh, is um, nice. which is the one that's set in a deep, deep winter with snow everywhere. So that's that's yeah. why powdered sugar. I mean,
0: I, thought, I tried to keep it in a Shetland kind of Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've got pity dancers now for those that are listening and are not Shetlanders that's Northern Mm -hmm. Lights which is uh, green lights Mm -hmm. that dance across the sky at night Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I can't think of a better Um, for that
1: one I thought The Snowman I I was trying to think of a book which had them in but I thought of The Snowman yeah I never thought of that one one, a lovely scene where they fly over the Northern Lights yeah. And you didn't mention Saltair. That was there. Um, yes. Hornblower. I'm reading through the Hornblower series. Plenty yes. of Saltair salt salt in
0: there. Air, yes. I, I didn't realise jumped with one actually. So that's a good catch. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to have you on today with us. And, I've enjoyed um, it very much. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's been a good, it's been a good session, and I think the readers have learned a lot about us, and we're really demissing the whole author mysterious lifestyle because that was the whole point of this series um we are human beings outside of our books we have lives we're not we're (laughs) not trolls in a cave or those people that are secretly watching you in the cafes writing on their computers because (laughs) i've I've met a lot of those but we are actually humans and that's that's the kind of the whole point of this and it's an empowerment series too because we're empowering women Hmm. we're empowering writers and people with disabilities you know who are saying hey guys it's, it's possible to have your dreams too so I want to thank Marzi for being on and uh, I will see you guys all next
2: week